Albuquerque's macro-aggression, Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk. afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM1600, K-I-V-A-B-Q.F-M, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500 is number to call or text this afternoon right into the Kiva, and as always, you can check us out on the TV, you and me and the Dow 3000, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud for the very last week, starting uh, Groundhog Day, yep. You can only pick us up on the rockoftalk.chat site uh, podcasting going forward. And you know what, folks? I don't care. It's pay to play here in the Kiva. And uh, you can, of course, download the apps directly at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com, and become a subscriber. Or I'll force you to be one by stalking you and then uh, putting our podcast in the only place you can get it at rockoftalk.chat. D-Dad Muska, hour one. A lot of fun here on this Monday afternoon. My good friend, Dowd, how are you? Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah. I got to take the guy off mute. Oh, yeah, I, I mute him to start always. And then I, I just got to, I got to take the muzzle off the guy because once you take the muzzle off, the junkyard dog is out and he's tearing up the yard and everything else out there. Doubt how are you feeling? I was just thinking of that uh, phrase from the seventies. What is it? Uh, gas, grass, or um, something else. Nobody rides for free. That, that was right. the, uh, that's <laughs> I'm sure I don't know what that means, though. Yeah, bad news here on this Monday, and I'm going to kick it off there. So uh, we, you know, I, I didn't address it on Friday, even though it came out, and 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 I just have to start here today, Dowd. I think it's so incredibly important to understand that we are an election year, and everybody realizes that, except for the Republicans. The Republicans should have already whittled it down to maybe just one or two candidates. They shouldn't be putting themselves. There should be like a strong. You know, leadership that's going to say, you're not running, you're not running, you have the best chance, we're putting our resources behind you, but that's not happening. Instead, they're creating a fight, and the fight's amongst each other. Meanwhile, the Democrats, always the smart ones, figuring things out, they seem to really understand, right, folks, that, hey, it is an election year, and guess what? The, uh, you got it, the Republicans haven't figured that out yet. And it's amazing what Michelle Lujan Grisham, as much as I dislike her, despise her, as much as we despise her, the woman is just absolutely the most powerful politician in the entire state. Dare I say, maybe one of the most powerful governors in the entire country, the way that she rules over us. Uh, yeah, Lord Farquaad uh, from uh, uh, Shrek doesn't have anything on uh on uh, Lord Lujan Grisham here. And I'm going to tell you why uh, the prospects for her are going to be like almost certainty at this point that she is going to be reelected. The woman may not even have to spend half her kitty. She may be able to just dole it out for the midterms in 2024. Okay. And she can do that. She's thinking she's playing the long game. You've got the scrambling going on with the Republicans. Oh, who are you going to vote for me? You're going to vote for me in the new direction of the party. We've got four or five different factions. They have no factions. They have a woman who rules with an iron fist, period. Okay. She rules the state. She rules a party. She rules everything with an iron fist. And she understands power. You think she cares whether or not we're counting the number of people that we, do you think she cares about the number of people that we are pointing out uh, that, that have left her administration? No. 
She's not even, she doesn't care. She don't care. Nothing phases her. If I was in her position, you, you know, Eddie, I'd be almost the same. I'd be like, I don't care. They're done. I'm gone, gone. Who else did it just like that? Trump. He didn't care. Just recycled through people. It's like, uh, well, they're not going to help us. Was that uh, one guy that uh, was there for all of about a week and now is a huge <laughs> anti-Trumper? The uh, uh, Casanello or? Oh, yeah, the other one. Yeah, I don't even uh, know who, who it was. Right. But anyway, Scaramucci. He was so memorable, neither one of us remembers his uh, name. <laughs> uh, Scaramucci. Scaramucci. That was, yes, yes, yes. So in Friday's Scaramucci, paper, Scaramucci. I didn't show it to you. There's Friday's paper. Governor supports ending Social Security tax. Bingo, bango, bongo, game over. This is a game changer, period. It takes all the equation out of the debate, takes all support of one particular demographic that's now going to see this as a, oh, look what she did for us. Look at what she continues. She's turning out the old people for her. Oh, let me start off with uh, Dan Boyd here, okay? A plan to exempt Social Security benefits from taxation in New Mexico could be picking up steam. Oh, no, it's all done. After Governor Lujan Grisham threw her support behind the idea this week. While similar proposals have stalled at the Roundhouse in recent years, at least five bills dealing with the taxation of Social Security retirement income have been filed already by a mix of Democrats and Republicans. There it is. Democrats and Republicans. She's telling them to do it. The Republicans will never... Never. This is all about marketing, branding, messaging. They'll never get the credit for this. This is during the 30-day session. The governor's office said Thursday is specifically backing one of the bills, a measure sponsored by Michael Padilla, the man that she uh, ousted out of the governor's race. In an interview, Padilla said he feels confident lawmakers will end up approving measure Senate Bill 108 during this year. This is the perfect year to do it because of the revenue-generating capacity we have right now. It's not generating it's a giveaway. It's all the money they got. It's from receiving, not generating. <laughs> Michael's trying to make it sound like they're doing something, uh, Dowd. That's that, That's what's going on here. Well, I mean, I'm sure, Eddie, as uh, as I think you may have hinted uh, in terms of impacting the election, this is the uh, numbers oh. from a political scientist at the University of Florida. By age, uh, old folks vote Turn more out. than any other group. Uh, they're almost, they were almost 80% of the, uh, almost 80% of vo uh, voters over 60, uh, 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 over, over uh, people over 60 turned out to vote almost 80% in 2020. She's not stupid. Nope. House Bill 48 exempts Social Security income from taxation. House Bill 49 phase in tax exemption of Social Security benefits by 2026. Heck, you as Republicans might be voting for Michelle Lujan Grisham at this point. Senate Bill 49 exempts Social Security income from taxation with certain income limits, increased tobacco tax rates to offset the revenue impact. That's a bad move. Don't do that. Don't do that, you little virtue signalers. Uh, Senate Bill 106 exempts Social Security income from taxation. And Senate Bill 121 exempts Social Security income from taxation. There it is, folks. Read it and weep. New Mexicans age 65 or older were estimated to make up 18% of the state's population as of last year, up from 13%. See how quickly that's growing? It grew by literally 50%, folks. That's according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Dowd is going to have a piece this week. I it's going to be on exactly this. Now, we talked about abolishing the income tax like Mississippi. She didn't have to worry about that anymore. That would have attracted the wrong people to the state of New Mexico. Michelle Luan Grisham isn't stupid. She does not want to go ahead and attract all those people 
who like to fly to tax fund states, uh, free states like North Dakota, like South Dakota, like uh, Florida, like Nevada, like Tennessee. They do not want those types of people here. Am I wrong in saying that? No, absolutely. She is smart. And she's basically going to run away with the 2022 election because this is going to be on every single commercial that she runs. And she's going to talk about the older generation and it's a three-pronged approach. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's really super easy. Number one, we're not taxing your social security benefits. Number two, we took care of you during COVID. Yep. And she is going to phase out. She don't care about the lockdowns or the kids. Kids don't count. They don't vote. The only people that count are the people who vote, and it's old people. 80% you just heard. She's going to say, we took care of you during COVID. Right? And number three, and this is, the, this is a big one right here, has to do with health care and nurses. She's going to have her mom sitting right next to her, and she says that she's going to be taking care of mom. That's the commercial. That's it. That's, the, that's a zinger that's just going to just put it away right there. Right next to her mom, taking care of her mom. I know what it's like. We had to endure COVID. This is what I had to do. I got rid of social security tax. And on top of that, I took care of people during COVID. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, You're you're not wrong, Eddie, although I would add, make one addendum possibly. Yes, sir. And this will be so cynical. I don't even know if Michelle Luan Grisham can do this, but she does have no shame. So, you know, who cares? Uh, Number four might be, I'm going to use all this money we have to hire a thousand new law enforcement officers to protect you from the punks that are out there killing people in our glorious state. Will she have enough lack of shame? She's part of an ideological movement that is not fans of law enforcement that really wants to coddle criminals that has allowed this nonsense to perpetuate uh, that has never called out burn, loot, murder and their, their ideological enemies uh, she's going to say, I mean, she has proposed a th- overall a thousand new law enforcement officers in the state. Uh, we know you're cowering at home from Rona, Granny, but we also know you're afraid of crime. I'm going to protect you from that punk who's going to shove the gun in your face. Uh, this is going to be one of the all time acts of political hypocrisy you've ever seen in New Mexico. It's going to be so obscene, ladies and gentlemen, I may not be able to, I may need to go to Hawaii for the next 10 or 11 months. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Oh, I'm vexed. I can't go to Hawaii. <laughs> She's going to stack it uh, high and tall. Thanks everybody for uh, opening up the show with us and opening up the week with us right here in the Kiva. Elvis Presley has that number one on the UK jailhouse rock, uh, UK singles chart as well as the U.S. chart at the very same time as the first ever single to enter the chart at number one and was Presley's second U.K. number one hit, selling over 4 million copies. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on AM 600 KIVA, abq.fm, rockoftalk.com. We'll talk about Vax policy when we return right here in the Kiva on this wonderful Monday afternoon. I'll keep your eyes on the road, your hand upon the wheel.
good time Yeah, the back of the road Has to get some fun to love Out of back of the road Has to get some fun to All right, on this day back in 69, the doors appeared at Madison Square Garden in New York City. They're paid over $50,000. You just heard the entrance to all of that. Making them one of the highest paid acts during the year of 1969. And overall, they, uh, you realize Albuquerque's own uh, Jim Morrison was doing that well, but he was just a little Air Force brat. His uh, dad actually run ran the uh, Kirtland Air Force Base uh, for a time. Not a whole lot of people actually know that. And uh, his, uh, his home is in the near Northeast Heights right by Sandia High School. So uh, still occupied to this day by 50, 50, 500. The uh, great Jim Morrison, part of the 27 club, uh, it should be mentioned. Let's talk about Vax policy. And uh, I've got to go to this because this is important. This is what you missed everywhere else. They're not playing it here. They're not playing it very many places, certainly not in mainstream media. Here is, uh, well, uh, was it 10 Downing Street, Boris Johnson? He's kind of an amazing guy because he has been fighting pretty hard. Uh, to kind of get things open. He's, he's, he's the only Trumpian left leader in the world. He is uh, widely reviled, but very much last Thursday uh, or uh, well, last Wednesday was quite uh, loved, uh, as you can hear in, in this clip. This morning, the cabinet concluded that because of the extraordinary booster campaign, together with the way the public have responded to the Plan B measures, we can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. Yeah. Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Yeah. Organizations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. Yeah. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. Yeah. People should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Speaker. That's like joy there. You hear all that joy, Dowd? That's a lot of joy. Mr. Speaker, from, from tomorrow, from tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms. And the Department of Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. We will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet. But we will trust the judgment of the British people. We will no longer criminalize anyone who chooses not to wear one. Whoa, what is this? What is going on? That Boris. is awesome. Uh, there is Boris Johnson uh, doing That's a lot uh, of emotion for those limeys, uh, Eddie. You know, normally they're kind yeah. of uh, reserved. <laughs> oh, the old limeys. They just. Uh, oh, do is it this. okay to say that? I'm sorry. I was that. Is that. Is it is it offensive? If, is that a term that I can't I can't. Oh, no, limey is fine. Uh, limey's I, I just heard a, the, oh, limey is just a reference to, to a British. There's actually a movie. Uh, called uh, with Anthony Hopkins called the Limey. The Limey, right? I heard the other day though. It's interesting. I, I listen to a lot of crazy stuff because I 
20 hours a day. I'm at the computer researching. I put uh, BitChute in particular, the website BitChute. It's, it, mm. it, it was supposed to challenge YouTube, but as I understand it, like Rumble and Odyssey now are really becoming the real um, challengers to YouTube. So all the really super hardcore kooks are on uh, BitChute now. And uh, th I heard a term the other day that I'd never heard, Mayo Monkey. Um, apparently, some of our more militant uh, black folks in the country huh. because the uh, monkey has been leveled at those folks. Now they're turning it around and they're calling people whose skin tone is a little kind of pale like mine. Uh, we're Mayo monkeys now. So um, I guess it's just a term I'm going to proudly embrace. There it is. Uh, do you remember Hoosiers? <laughs> remember that uh, Remember that whole thing? Oh, where yes. You guys, are, you guys are acting like a bunch of gorillas. <laughs> Do you remember Gene uh, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Norman Dale, Gene yep. Hackman? Or yeah, but Dennis uh, Hopper was in that. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's just uh, kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised that's not thrown out. But uh, you know, they're very good Christian uh, people. But he he walks out. Norman Dale walks out. My team's on the floor. You guys are acting like a bunch of gorillas. <laughs> and uh, there was uh, they were playing an all white team, by the way. Just uh, FYI, five fifty fifty five hundred texture calling. All right, let's uh, race through what is so important about this segment and VAX policy. And as you just heard, the UK completely abolished this. Now, there was a, a woman who went on right after uh, Boris Johnson, and she was very, uh, remember, this guy, Boris Johnson said, we'll trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalize those who, not, who do not wear a mask, okay? And this young lady, I think the voice of the entire generation says the damage they have done to my generation has been unbelievable. I literally watched my future crumble in front of my eyes. It makes me angry. They literally ruined our lives and nobody spoke about it at all. The commentators, they had union reps come on and say, this is what the schools should do. And if they didn't care about what they did to us, this is the first time I've spoken about it on TV because I knew that I'd cry, but I literally watched and it felt like my entire life was falling apart because none of this is what the government did to young people and nobody seems to care. Not one person has cared about children during this entire pandemic. Now, vax policies are changing all over the place. I told you this was going to happen. As soon as the city of Dowd, you can go back to the tape, roll tape. <laughs> as soon as they came out with their vax policy, what's the first thing I said? It won't stand. There's too much political pressure. It won't work. Okay, They're going to follow what I was doing when I was running for mayor. No vaccine, no masking. These are all the policies. They're literally just grabbing everything that I ran on. They're saying, okay, we're going to have to install this now. No social security tax. Where do you, th where do you think that came from? That was me talking about that, us talking about it. You hear Dow talking about it. You want to attract and keep older people. Republicans missed the boat on that yet once again. you got to find the campaign points, and you can't stop hitting on them so that you own them. Mm -hmm. That is marketing. That is politics. That is propaganda, okay? And you do have to do a little bit of that so you can go ahead and get that out there. And I mean that in a positive term in terms of marketing. The city of Albuquerque has completely changed. 180 within 10 days. Keller had to set, said the city was preparing to meet federal occupational safety and health standards. Then, of course, you got the Supreme Court. Well, you think that he'd go with uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham? Guaranteed he picked up the phone. He says, I'm going to go ahead and pull on this whole entire thing. Doesn't look like we can vaccinate the Omicron wave anyway. And you know what? We don't need to require vaccines. Now, the Supreme leftist, Isaac Benton, right? The city organizers wanted to require vaccines. But they have now found that they, what is that negative thing that you actually vaccinate and you actually have more, a uh, higher chance for the Omicron, right? What do they oh, call right. that? Negative infection now? Mm -hmm. Negative infection that's coming out? Well, now we know with the more information that's coming out, 
The mRNA COVID vaccines don't stop COVID infections, okay? $100 billion has been spent on this, and it's not stopping. The vaccines are actually itself causing damage to your natural immunity. How? Slowing the overall growth of B and T cells, the parts of the immune system that are primed to recognize and attack SARS-CoV-2 virus and reinfection. They also cause those cells to be lousy at attacking new variants of the coronavirus's spike protein. All the research has been published, folks, and you can find it on the CDC. The vaccinations is actually working in the opposite direction. The CDC messaged the data to help vaccines by excluding cases of partially vaccinated people, right? And it excluded negative outcomes early in the treatment for other drugs. But the report was clear. The study began late last May. Near the peak of the protection for most vaccinated Americans, for a couple of weeks, vaccinated people had fewer infections than those with natural immunity. However, vaccine protection plunged while natural immunity kept getting better and better and better. The more you vaccine, the higher your chances. It increased. The more you kept your natural immunity, the higher your chances to go ahead and wave it off like Dowd and I have. Funny how that works. In fact, woke companies like Starbucks is no longer requiring its employees to get a COVID-19 vaccine, folks. COO John Culver informed employees of the decision just a few days ago. Why? Because they're getting the exact same information. It's two-pronged. They know the vaccines aren't working. The vaccine mandate is unnecessary. They have literally 250,000 employees, folks. This is this is incredible. And then on top of that, you have the announcement from the Supreme Court. Like, oh, this is a no-win situation. This isn't going to look good for us. The vaccines don't work, period. We know what's, what happened in Sweden, okay? Minimal lockdowns, no vax mandates. Vaccination rates in other places where they were very high, namely Australia, we talked about this late last week. They have infection rates 5,000 times what they had them last year, and they have a vaccination rate of 94% of the population. How do you even explain that? The cases are being driven up because we're literally leaning into the vaccinations, folks, and leaning into the morphing of Omicron and the rest of the coronavirus. There's nothing else. This is now endemic. And it's nice to see the policies being pulled off. It's seeing what happened in the UK, seeing what's happened in the city of Alberta, seeing what's happening in Starb. We won. We won the argument, ladies and gentlemen. Understand that. And so what do they have left? Well, for the people who are actually getting infected, Dowd, and this is kind of, this is telling. What are they doing? They're pulling the monoclonal antibody treatments. The ones us right-wingers have been advocating for since the very beginning. They're saying, oh, we don't have enough of those. Wasn't this the very same thing that they did with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? They start pulling this stuff off the shelves. Monoclonal antibodies isn't in short supply. They're just saying that because it's the same type of thing. They like to keep you sicker for longer because they know that the state and the federal government makes more money exactly that way. And if you think I'm wrong on that, do your research. The New Mexico Department of Health said they use the CDC scoring system to determine if a patient is eligible for a few treatments that they have. Remember we told you about the scoring system in Utah? In Minnesota? In New York? Well, you can go ahead and count your lucky stars, ladies and gentlemen, because guess what? You live in a state that wants to replicate. I was like, oh, how do we how do we do that here? How do we get that done here? We we need that type of thing done in the state of New Mexico. It, whatever we want to try somewhere else, 
We know that we can try here. Listen to this ridiculous, uh, absolutely gross statement. KOB Channel 4 had the report on this, and I was surprised that they let this go through because maybe they have, they're just tone deaf. They have no sense of themselves. They have no sense of actually what, what they might sound like. Take a listen. Cases in our state are surging. Health officials say the Omicron variant is even more contagious. While there's some thought it could be less severe, it's also eliminated some treatment options. Supply is extremely limited for the one type of monoclonal antibody treatments that's effective against this variant. Brittany Costello joins us now. And Brittany, hospitals are in low supply. State leaders say they have to be selective about who they go to. Yeah, that's right, Chris. State health officials say they actually use a scoring system to determine if you're eligible for the few treatments they have. Ha! There we go. Down there. There we go. It's right there. We literally <laughs> talked about this last week. Like, why don't we, I know, why don't we do what Utah, Minnesota, and, and start using the scoring system to see which races we can and can't use. This is crazy. To give you an idea, the metro area hospitals were supposed to receive a shipment today, just 48 doses to be split among the three hub hospitals. You're looking at a graph of treatment options for COVID patients in New Mexico. Not only has supply dropped, but options too. We were surprised to find out that two of our monoclonal antibodies were not effective uh, for Omicron, but we can expect those kind of surprises all the way down the line. Now there's just one monoclonal antibodies treatment that's effective against Omicron. Citrovimab is in short supply. UNM Hospital and Presbyterian wouldn't say how many doses they have right now. But the anticipated shipments expected to arrive today should give you an idea. 12 doses for Loveless, 18 for UNMH, and 18 for Presbyterian. Other doses are... They didn't put this report out lightly. This was well-placed, sent to Chris Ramirez, pushed out to let you know, don't think of getting monoclonal antibodies. You need to get your vaccine. That's exactly why they're putting this information out. They literally requested this and said, oh, it's scarcity, it's scarcity. Oh, it's not. They can get as much as they want. Spread around the state, particularly in areas with high social vulnerability index. There is a scoring system. We did send it out. Uh, to all of our providers. He's smiling uh, as he's saying I'll that. Just give you a general idea. If you're at risk for things, they're assigned points. Underlying conditions give you points. Things like pregnancy, age, obesity, and other health conditions. Where's race? Where's race? It can even include things like access to medical resources, homelessness, and food insecurity. Hitting a certain number will make you eligible for those treatment options. Anytime in medicine, that there's a scarce resource, we always triage. Mm. So we're kind of used to this. But they are hopeful the supply chain and distribution levels rebound soon. See, now it's another case, uh, another thing altogether, d Dad Muska. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> we'll just let you know we didn't see, we, we didn't see this coming, did we? <laughs> no, no. It's almost like uh, if you tune into uh, The Rock of Talk, Eddie, you can... Uh, you're watching the news of the future. Um, the the document or the, the the graph they posted on uh, was this KOB's website along with yeah. the story. They didn't have the the precise uh, point system, but they do have what's called the overall vulnerability list. 
one of those is minority status. There it is. Uh, so what I'm going to do, uh, I will be submitting an IPRA request. Uh, you know, New Mexico being New Mexico, they can't call it what it's called everywhere else, a FOIA request, Freedom of Information. Here we call it IPRA, uh, Inspection of Public Records. So I'll be submitting a request to the state to determine um, what, how many points you get for, uh, let's see, minority status, uh, speak English less than well status that's that's very interesting uh for let's see your housing and your transportation oh you get apparently you get preferential status if you don't have a vehicle that's uh kind of interesting uh you get preferential status that's homelessness by the way Uh, right if you get preferential status if you're unemployed so uh we're gonna try to get to the bottom we're gonna get to the bottom of the math of this ladies and gentlemen and uh how they are dare i say discriminating against people seeking treatments Incredible. Back after a quick break uh, right here in the Kiva. Doubt I look forward to that for you request. I think that's going to be absolutely awesome. The Doors Roadhouse Blues. When we return, we're going to jump into more good talk here, and we're going to talk about how the foodies are effed when we return. Uh, where are those foodies? Well, namely, they're uh, up north. We'll tell you what's happening up in the city different and, uh, well, throughout the rest of the state. <laughs> Well, my son's learning about crucifixions. Uh, that's not why I'm bringing up this song. Yeah, uh, John and Yoko, those uh, dirty dogs. Yoko's still around. She's still uh, bearing the fruits of all of uh, of all of John's uh, great work in his life. Uh, shot back in 1980. No, not by David Brinkley or John Hinckley. Um, well, who, who shot John? Mark David Chapman. I got oh, it wrong. You're right. You're oh. right. I get the, they happen so close to each other. I get them conflated a lot. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, those craziest stuff. Did you know that, uh, John Hinckley, uh, used to like pen stuff to Ted Bundy and, uh, and Charlie Manson. Oh, they were pals, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. Pen pals. Like, uh, apparently they didn't break open the envelopes and he somehow acquired from one of the women uh, that he was in the, uh, mental institution with was able to, uh, secure, um, uh, Charlie Manson's, uh, you know, play, his place in the penitentiary. And they were uh, texting each other, or excuse me, uh, not texting each other, excuse me, writing each other back and forth. So yeah, a, f- a fun fact about uh, 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 John Hinckley, <laughs> Mark David Chapman, uh, Charlie Manson, fact, all, uh, uh, all of them um, still better individuals than Yoko Ono. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think I might have told the story, Eddie, uh, yeah. before. A couple years ago, I wrote a, um, a piece about fracking, and yeah. I... It, the Hollywood, the the entertainment people, they don't like fracking. They don't know what fracking is. They couldn't tell you what hydraulic fracturing is. You know, they they couldn't tell you about shale oil deposits. Right. You know, they have, they have no idea. They just know it's bad for the environment because some idiot at the Sierra Club sends them information. You know, and so 
I mentioned uh, who's the guy who plays uh, the Hulk on uh, uh, the, the, the Avengers and the Marvel movies. Um, uh, I know oh, you're talking about. Yeah. That. Anyway, anyway, uh, he's a he's a big anti fracker. He's a big anti fracker, and so Yoko is a big anti fracker. So I mentioned in in, in just quick throwaway line in the column, you know, you know, who are you going to trust? You know, the, all the scientists who've looked into the safety of all this, or are you going to trust, you know, the Hulk or Bruce Banner and Yoko Ono? Um, I got a contact from Yoko's PR people and I looked it up. This was completely legitimate. Um, it wasn't some kind of spam thing. Apparently they go trolling for all references for their boss. And then if you mention their boss, the PR people go out to whoever the author is, and of course, this is a digital world. You can contact, you know, any, anything that's written. There's a paper trail. You can, you can, you can get contact information. So they they reached out to me to uh, wanted me to know. Uh, they wanted to ask if I could wanted to be on their contact list so I could get more information about Yoko, so I could help my readers uh, keep in touch with everything that Yoko is doing. Uh, oh apparently, God. the PR flax are so used to only positive coverage, they didn't read the piece. And figure out that I was making fun of Yoko Ono, so didn't exactly earn their pay that day. She's gross, by the way. She's all all gross. I also have to say, I never dated an Asian. Uh, just so you know, uh, just put that out there. Was oh, the I was thing. madly in love with an Asian girl one time. Really? Madly, madly. Oh, her name was Vanya. Oh God, she was Vanya. Crazy. That doesn't sound like a traditional Asian mm-hmm. name. Uh, her family was from Taiwan. Um, she was the most. She smoked, Eddie. She was so cool. She smoked. Huh. Um, yeah, huh. I was madly in love with her. If I brought her well. home to my, I mean, Irish uh, relatives of, yeah. of the older generation, particularly the World War II generation, yeah, that wouldn't have gone over well. That yeah, I don't know. think so. No, we got to keep the bloodlines uh, <laughs> nice and open, right? Uh, five fifty, fifty-five. I did date a Kenyan. I think I've mentioned that many times. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I nice. remember um, uh, PG O'Rourke went to uh, the humorous PG O'Rourke used to write for Rolling Stone, and he went to Somalia during. All the troubles in uh, in the early '90s, and he said that they all looked all the all the Somalian women looked like um, uh, David uh, David Bowie's wife, you know, the model. He said they all were Iman, these sta- Iman. statuesque, yeah. the beautiful cheekbones. And I remember him just raving about the Somalian women. Well, once you get those gold rings around the neck to extend the neck, you know, that's uh, you're you're, you're kind of good to go. Interesting yeah. cultural development over there. <laughs> Five fifty, fifty five hundred dollar text in uh, here. Uh, yeah, it was uh, way back uh, on this day in uh, good old 19, uh, what is this, uh, 69, New Jersey State prosecutors issued a warning to the U.S. record dealers that they would be charged with distributing pornography. They were caught selling John Lennon and Yoko Ono's Two Virgins. Front cover of the album showed a pair frontally nude, while the back cover showed them from behind. The album still managed to reach number 124 in the U.S., but failed to chart at all in the U.K., where only 5,000 copies were ever pressed. So... Didn't do too well, but uh, made an impression uh, nonetheless. All right. Uh, the foodies are effed uh, up north, folks. It's uh, <laughs> not good. Okay. Now, Bobcat Bite closes down. Uh, I guess their son is pretty sick, and uh, they decided to go and show it. Now, this is after they decided to uh, acquire it, and uh, the son suffered a brain injury. Okay, and this is really sad. Okay, You, n- you never want to. But, but there's been so many restaurants in Santa Fe that have just shuttered entirely. Okay. Uh, the Spanish uh, paella place off the plaza that recently shut down, right? Uh, in one of the great places to go. I, don't, I can't even think of the name. Uh, El Mason, excuse me. Um, Jennifer Day, one of the owners, says, We're permanently closed. We didn't tell the employees until just last Wednesday. Okay, they pushed ahead. They tried to do it. They acquired the Bobcat uh, surrounding 98 acres in 2017. It was listed by a Panzer, the Panzer family, which opened Bobcat Bite way back in 1953. 
Oh, they also own Boucher or the Bouche Bistro and Lucky Goat properties. And they uh, are going to retain 80 acres and they're selling everything else in the entire state of New Mexico and heading on off to uh, San Antonio. Now, because of the Omicron and everyone's freaking out and, oh my God, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Um, all of these places in the plaza itself are shutting down. Uh, Cafe Pasquale, have you ever been there? One of the better uh, breakfasts uh, around. Um, Tomasitas has 90 employees. They shut down for a time. Uh, Trisco Cafe and Bar um, also uh, shut down because uh, you know George Gundry can't keep enough people in there, and he's a good guy. Other places, Cowgirl Hall of Fame, Dowd. I, I don't know if I've taken you there, but uh, I should. You would uh, certainly. La Casa Sena, one of the uh, great, elegant uh, places, a good place that people go for the opera. I'm waiting for them to shut down the opera next. Uh, you have El Rancho de Chimayo, Cafe Greco, Harry's Roadhouse, Santa Cafe, very popular. Coyote Cafe, also great place, great, great uh, uh, vistas up on the uh, elevated outdoor uh, patio area that they have. Uh, and then, of course, you've got, I can tell you all these places because I've been to them all uh, dowed like 100 times, I feel sure. like. And then my friend, Rick Pedram, says, uh, you know, uh, says Santa Fe Dining is just trying to keep their stuff open. Cowgirl was closed 4th through the 13th. And people are absolutely right now just without options. They don't know what to do. One of the reasons to live in a place like Santa Fe, more gourmet chefs per capita than any other place in the entire United States. Yes, more than Napa, more than Vegas even. Yeah, more than New York. It's it's kind of amazing. There's more sommeliers in Las Vegas per capita than any other place, but there's more gourmet chefs in Santa Fe. I don't think that that's going to be the case post COVID because here's what's happening. And the idiots over at the Santa Fe, New Mexican, I, I sent this to you, uh, uh, back, uh, uh, over the weekend out. And you have two guys sitting outside in their puffer jackets with their masks on <laughs> waiting outside. And they call it the quote unquote foodie hub. They spend $800 to rent a little place so that they can have uh, basically, you know, the taco trucks out there and they're celebrating it. They're saying, Oh, we're adjusting. This is good. Oh, we like this. This is, this what, what, what they're totally screwed folks. They're totally screwed. They are screwing up culture. Like you can't believe up in Santa Fe, the oldest capital in the United States, 1609. Kind of amazing what we have decided to do. So uh, you foodies, uh, and you people who like things like Hamilton, like getting out and enjoying the culture, that seems to be dissipating uh, quite a little bit there, uh, D. Dowd Muska. doesn't look uh, good. I, I just, uh, I, I had to laugh, but I probably should cry when you sent me that picture, Eddie. These are two young, yes. uh, appear to be very young, healthy, slender men. Uh, and they have their stupid masks on outside. Um, and, you know, the industry, we haven't talked about the industry in a while. There was a survey that Trade Association did um, in the last three months. 46% of their uh, restaurants reported that they experienced a decline mm. in customer demand during the last three months. Uh, that's 40, almost half. Uh, looking ahead in, in, in already now the new year, uh, many of the restaurant owners said they did not expect a return to pre-pandemic sales levels. 44% uh, of operators said their sales volume will remain below 2019. In a time uh, of massive inflation and oh, price yeah. increases. Well, yeah, and, and of course, the welfare still continues to flow. Uh, an additional 27% of owners say business conditions will never return to normal for their restaurant. 
That's how much hope there is. One in four say we'll never get back to where we were. This was essentially a, a, a fatal crippling blow to this industry and it's you know it's not like tourism brings a lot of people into new mexico or anything uh, yeah, shameful no. shameful small shameful. tiny tiny little uh, bedroom uh, type of industry very very small back after a quick break we'll back to wrap the hour with some good news and i hope that uh, you all like it uh, because i know that you will folks and we're going to talk about the republican surge across the country just wish we could do that here in uh state of new mexico yeah john and yoko you dirty rotten Back after a quick break. Crucify me. Drove from Paris to the Amsterdam Hills. Talking in our beds for a week. The news people said, say what you're doing in bed. I said, we're only trying to get us. So Sally can wait. She knows it's too late as we're walking on by. All right, look at this. Oasis, as they are known in Spain, or how about the UK as Oasis? The great Oasis, uh, the uh, most problematic uh, relationship guys uh, one ever did meet. Uh, They love to fight uh, the brothers, the Irish brothers, really UK brothers, but... uh, yeah, back on this day in 98, they went number one uh, with All Around the World, the longest running time for a UK number one with a total duration of nine minutes, 38 seconds. But uh, that one there is one of my favorites. It does sound almost exactly like the Beatles. Noel Gallagher uh, is the uh, the guy who is uh, totally nutty. Uh, the band uh, rehearsed as early as 1992, but uh, ran that all the way to 98 and uh, was number one on this day back in the UK. Very quickly, uh, D. Dowd Musk, I think it's important uh, to talk about just the Republican surge and what's happening uh, just on generic ballots. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we don't see this type of thing here. The latest poll from Trafalgar Group, which, by the way, is the one that predicted that Donald Trump was going to win back in 2016, have a commanding 13-point lead over Democrats in a generic ballot. A poll showed 55.7% of the likely general election voters said they would vote for the Republican candidate, only 42% said they would vote for a Democrat. So while the poll is in favor of Republicans, it sampled more Democrat respondents than Republican and nonpartisan. That's also very interesting. The poll had a 39.3% Democrat respondents, 35% Republican, and 25.1% nonpartisan. So this is kind of a, a testament to just it might even be even stronger than that doubt. And I think this all goes along with the last 12 months of what Joe Biden has done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just noticing not only just the generic, but if you're looking at individual races, Eddie, and of course our uh, adopted homeland of the the, the silver state of uh, Nevada, not Nevada. If you say Nevada on the radio in Nevada, or Nevada, you will get uh, quickly corrected. Um, looking like the incumbent senator there uh, is down something like four points, according to Trafalgar. Uh, that is uh, that would be a really key pickup <laughs> at, at the federal level. Uh, so looking good generically, and then when you go down race by race, you know midterms are always tough for the incumbent president. But when the when the incumbent president is in the 30s in some polls for approval rating, this could be a historic shellacking. But I will just advise my Republican friends. Don't count your electoral victories before they happen. Um, uh, there's a lot of time between now and November. Yeah, there is, um, but it's going to be hard to change the idiot in the White House. Just over the last year, yeah. Biden, yeah. Uh, just let's, I think, well, let's just count them down real quickly here in the last uh, minute or so that we're uh, uh, dealing with uh, 
just how strong the Republicans are across the country, but not here in the state of New Mexico. Uh, his first week, a record 17 executive orders. Nobody, not, not nobody, not even Obama, not Bush, not Clinton, not Trump. Nobody had that number of executive orders to just kick things off. Remember that really bizarre opening that he had? Then in February, he worked to keep the schools closed. And then in March, he started creating those Vax passports, right? Nobody likes any of this stuff. Then he had this crazy American families plan. And it was all about uh, build back better. And it was anything but because it went after, you know, community college and uh, uh, generally focused on, you know, minorities and, and things like that. So it was it was pretty crazy what they were what they were planning on on doing because it didn't make a whole lot of sense uh, from a number of different standpoints. Uh, May, you had uh, the Hunter Biden story starting to emerge. June, the crisis at the southern border, not wanting to fit to uh, to fix the uh, wall or finish the wall, I should say. Uh, talking about big tech in July, uh, the Afghanistani uh, withdrawal in uh, August, and you know what we left behind there. Uh, how about uh, the border patrol and how he was doing everything that he could to take the border patrol off because they weren't getting vaxxed? And then, of course, you've got all the smear campaigns that ended up happening in October, November, December, and then the OSHA vax mandate that he was trying to put in. Remember when that came in? And then, of course, the filibuster and the Build Back Better and then Mansion and then Cinema. So, you know, if this type of trend continues like it has for the last 12, 13 months, that's going to continue going all the way through the election down. And I think it looks pretty good for the Republicans across the country, maybe not so good here in the state of New Mexico, but overall, I think it uh, it certainly looks uh, pretty promising. And and always when I said, I've said it before, when a president's numbers decline like they have for Biden, it's very difficult to get them back up again. And uh, it's <laughs> if I had to bet right now, I would certainly stick with the safe bet, which is a big GOP uh, victory in uh, in November. Absolutely. All right, back after the top of the hour news. Thanks everybody for tuning in. AM sixteen hundred KIVA ABQ.FM. Don't look back at anger, Democrats. We're going to elect some Republicans. Take over the House in twenty twenty two. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. I'm Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk on AM 1600 FM, rock of talk. Dot com here on this uh, beautiful Monday afternoon. Glad to be here with you and yours. Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV if you like to watch. If you want to go ahead and listen after the show for the week only, you can podcast directly on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And why not app us directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Hour two coming straight at you with my good friend D. Dowd Muska, the Dowd 3000, joining us via satellite uh, there. We'll um, we'll we'll talk a little bit about a New Mexico uh, musical connection uh, uh, after at the end of this segment. You'll want to stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, in our first hour, we covered a lot of ground, uh, including, well, you know, how Michelle Lujan Grisham is practically uh, cinched and guaranteed the gubernatorial election uh, through her 
ending social security tax, among other things uh, that are coming out. So uh, uh, folks, she, the woman just knows how to play politics and uh, you need to, you follow along right there with her. As much as I disdain and abhor her and all of these other things, uh, she just has the calculus down. And uh, you know what? Nobody hates the, everyone hates the person at the top. And uh, she certainly uh, is and looks like, uh, based upon what she's introduced, will continue to be Vax policy. Uh, we've talked about that in terms of what the UK, Starbucks pulling that off. City uh, of Albuquerque has reversed its course, just like I told you it would. And, uh, of course, how they're creating the scarcity in the monoclonal antibodies. Uh, how the foodies are effed. Yep, uh, so many restaurants uh, shutting down in the city up in the north. The uh, fantasy is uh, going... Uh, Bye-bye uh, very quickly because things that make it such a draw, it's restaurants and uh, Republicans showing a sizable lead on a generic ballot uh, based on the one poll that uh, actually got Donald Trump across the finish line back in 2016. Trafalgar uh, has the uh, Republicans up at least 13, if not more points. They oversampled the Democrats at that, and it does not look good uh, for the Democrats. It looks very good across uh, the country for us Republicans, just not here in the state of New Mexico. All right, uh, let's kick things off. Hour two. Uh, how are you, D. Dowd Muska? Uh, I am uh, presently lost in a big oh. data dive. Uh, the feds, this is a report, I guess it was issued late last week. They are predicting the official uh, energy bureaucrats, and these are actually some good people. I've, I've interacted with them a lot at the Energy Information Administration. They are expecting fossil fuel production to continue rising in both 2022 and 2023, and they think that we will be back to record production by next year. But not New Mexico, and that's all because we adopted the Green New Energy deal right here in this state. Uh, way to go, New Mexico. Nobody does it better. <laughs> Carly said it right. <laughs> really nailed it. All right. Uh, let's uh, jump into critical race theory. And Rebecca Dow, I am impressed. I think she is a great candidate. I uh, like where she's going uh, with things. She is taking on uh, the Democrats up in Santa Fe. Good on you, Rebecca. And I hope that you do well and you make it through. Because I think uh, her voice is... Uh, really needed in a lot of ways. And she introduced a bill to prohibit the state, as I told you last week, HB 91, to ban critical race theory. Now, the fantasy New Mexican decided that it was going to go ahead and start hitting her pretty hard, saying, well, there is no critical race theory. That's precisely why you need to introduce a bill like this right from the very beginning. Like, are you that stupid? We're not trying to remove laws. We're trying to make sure that it's never installed. And if it is, that it can't be practiced, making it illegal. That's the brilliance of this whole entire thing. It's just, it's swimming right over you because she already thinks and knows that you're either practicing it or are going to pass it or have passed it. The bill, the way it's written, will remove all three. The legislation says critical race theory espouses the view that one race is inherently racist, sexist, intentionally or inevitably oppressive, as you white people have come to know. Okay, You are racist. She voiced concerns about critical race theory in a statement she released in last fall, saying it implies New Mexican parents are racist, need re-educating on the issues of race. Asked Wednesday if she thinks critical race theory will become a campaign issue this year. She says, I don't know if it's an election cycle issue, but it's another area where Santa Fe is overreaching its authority. Let me tell you where it is an election issue. In the primary, with the Trumpers, and it works. Green chili, God, or Green Chili Guns and Freedom. That's her slogan. 
The woman's a red meat Republican right now. Not always has been. E. Dowd Musk has pointed out the spaceport and how she's been on that. We've seen her kind of, she's moving to the right side of the aisle within the primary. It's a good political move for her. Does she actually believe in what she's uh, advocating? Well, she decided to go ahead and advocate for it in the legislature within the 30 days. You might remember Glenn Youngkin, right? That's what helped him win the governor's race. Youngkin uh, this week announced his plan to ban its teaching in public schools, saying it's inherently divisive. In New Mexico, can this be an actual issue? That's the question in a general. Given where education is, I think it's more than possible. We've kept schools shut down when you reopen. Is the focus going to be getting these kids caught up, educated in math, et cetera, et cetera? I think so. It's not going to be reteaching uh, and teaching Aztec prayers or uh, trying to be more culturally sensitive at this point. Cultural has been abolished. The culture of New Mexico, our histories, we've seen what's happened with Hispanic people, me, right? have to be embarrassed, have to apologize. I think with Hispanics, this is actually bigger than it is with, with white people, given what's happened. The De Vargas statue, one of the number one statues has been ripped out throughout the rest of the country is who? Christopher Columbus. Without Christopher Columbus, we wouldn't have a Catholic church. We wouldn't have any of this stuff right here. You know this. I don't have to repeat any of this stuff to you. Even Mark Ronchetti said the candidate has always opposed the teaching of CRT. Mark Ronchetti's saying that. Mm. Yeah. Uh Yeah, 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 yeah. So here we go. This is this is uh, uh, one of my favorite websites. Dad, you got to check this out. I, I, da- I can't imagine you're going to love it a whole lot. Really, I, I don't think you are. But it's one of my f- favorite websites. <laughs> it's called American Renaissance. I'll, just, I'll leave it right there for you. Okay. It's a, it's a little, uh, it's a secret pleasure of mine, Dowd. I, I love going into the American Renaissance. They, they take angles. Uh, it, Dowd, uh, <clears throat> Uh, peruse the top 10 headlines of American Renaissance. I want Dow just to read it before he even has a chance to go through it. If you don't mind, just the top 10 stories there, they'll be listed right there and, and everything's in bright. You know, it's just, it's a, I love going to it because it makes so much damn sense. All right, go ahead, Dow. Take a look. Uh, for the record, Mr. Aragon, yes. Mr. Uh, make, too, makes too many assumptions. Uh, I am well aware of American Renaissance. Okay. Jared Taylor uh, is a very, very interesting fellow, uh, and he's also uh, he does some videos from time to time. Okay. You, I'm sure you can't get them on YouTube. I must, I must be getting them on one of the other uh, alternative sites. Um, uh, yeah, some of these are some of these organizations are, are you know, they're they're sort of uh, paleoconish, I would say. Yes, uh, you know, uh, I'd say the top item is a commentary by Pat Buchanan. Okay, uh, by the numbers of failing president. Uh, number two is privilege bingo in Fairfax County schools. Uh, I assume that's Fairfax County, Virginia, where yep, I, I used yep. to live. Uh, number three, Florida could ban lessons about discrimination that make white students feel discomfort. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. Good. All right. uh, par- parents of murdered Barnard College student Tessa Majors watch her killer get minimum 14-year sentence. Uh, I believe that was Rayshon Weaver who yeah, killed this young Weaver, lady. Yep. Yeah. Uh, America is ready for white identity politics. Yes. That's, that's interesting. It, it certainly is. I mean, if they were going to, nobody backs baby into a corner, right? 
Uh, I love this headline. Governor Youngkin named CRT opponent as new chief diversity officer. <laughs> oh, they must love that in that office. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Uh, why I am no longer a tenured professor at the University of Toronto. That's our friend Jordan Peterson uh, walking we'll away. We'll talk about that in a couple of segments. Uh, from, from academia. Uh, uh, key facts about U.S. immigration policies and uh. Biden's proposed changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, we'll do uh, for MLK Day. Spice Company says all Republicans are racist and they want to shoot a black person. There you go. <sighs> all the news that's fit to print at American Renaissance. Let's well, but Eddie, I tell you, yes. in terms of the Dow bill, um, it, it's it's kind of intriguing because a lot of uh, you know cosmotarian free speech absolutist types are getting angry about these CRT bans in government schools. And they're saying, well, you're, you know, you're limiting free speech or you're limiting academic freedom. We may not like it, but you shouldn't be limiting this. I'm not sympathetic to that view because this, these are government schools. I mean, you know, once, once you uh, are tainted and you go go to work for government, you're under the thumb of, of, you know, whatever legislators say. So I have no sympathy uh, for that at all. Uh, there's actually 10 provisions. I'm sure the Santa Fe article didn't profile all 10 provisions, no, but uh, you, you read the one about you, you cannot espouse the view that one race is in, uh, inherently racist, sexist, or intentionally oppressive. But let's go down the list and, and look at a couple more of these. Uh, number two, uh, you cannot espouse the view that one race is inherently responsible for the intentional or inadvertent oppression of another race. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Uh, you, teachers cannot espouse the view that one race or gender is superior to another race or gender. Yep. I I have no issue with that. Uh, I think you can say that cultures differ and, you know, people might be, groups of people might be generally better at one trait or another, but just inherently superior, of course not. Uh, you cannot espouse the view that a person should be discriminated against because of their race or gender uh, attributed to that person, uh, tr- treated differently based on their racial classification. I have no problem with that. Uh, they cannot espouse the view that a person's moral character is determined by their race or gender. I have no issue with that. I love that. that one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, number six, you cannot espouse the view that race or gender uh, attributed to a person makes that person responsible for past transgressions of that race or gender. Perfectly fine. Uh, let's see. Number seven, uh, you cannot espouse the uh, feeling or feelings of discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological, physical, or any other kind of distress in a person on account of their race or gender. Uh, they, it bans the espousal of the view that a work ethic or devotion to duty and obligations is inherently racist or sexist. Uh, I think that takes us back to the Smithsonian uh, traits of white people list uh, from, from last year. Uh, or the derivation or otherwise uh, tracing of its origins or influence from or uh, pertinently overlaps with the critical theory social philosophy uh, or the teaching or promotion of the idea that social problems are created by racist or patriarchal societal structures and systems. That's number 10. Uh, that's all pretty good stuff. I don't I don't have any issue at all with this. And I think mentioning that Mark Ronchetti uh, is willing to actually say something publicly opposed to critical race theory, Eddie, the polling on this, uh, the American Enterprise Institute, I think probably six months ago or so, did a poll. I'll put the I'll put a link to the poll in the show notes tonight. Their numbers on the polling was just, the numbers were across the board, no matter what group of people you look at. When critical race theory is explained to the typical American of any background, they despise it. They, they yeah. got numbers on this that you rarely get when you go out and poll on any issue. Americans reject this. And of course, 
for our reporters, uh, they, they want to portray this uh, fighting CRT as controversial. If they look at the polling data, it's not so controversial. Yeah, people just don't want to be racist in one way or the other. And, you know, no one should be, right? The content of our character, not the color of our skin, right? Uh, the post week after Dr. Martin Luther King, it makes a lot of sense and more sense now uh, than ever. But let's talk a moment uh, just about what they're doing in Florida, because that's exactly where Rebecca Dow is trying to take us. It would bar teaching in grades K through 12 that could make individuals feel responsible for historic wrongs because of their race, color, sex, or national origin. At work, employment practices or training programs that make an individual feel guilty on similar grounds could be considered an unlawful employment practice and subject a company to a lawsuit. That is all we needed right there. Because it says feel, feel, feel responsible, feel, feel, feel guilty. Do you realize how open for interpretation that is? And if that gets passed, I think that would be awesome. Because then it would just make have everybody on their toes the entire time. It's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Back after a quick break, uh, when we return, uh, D. Dowd, uh, you and I are going to jump into more of uh, that educational realm, if you will. The latest Kids Count is out. And uh, we'll talk about how similar we are to uh, a state like Michigan, uh, where uh, Gretchen Whitmer is working, and uh, she's looking to get reelected uh, as well. Back after a quick break, Lynn Anderson here on this day. Yes, folks, I can't even believe I'm going to talk about it. Country singer Lynn Anderson uh, was arrested for shoplifting after being caught stealing a Harry Potter DVD from a New Mexico supermarket and punching a police officer during her arrest. The 57-year-old had a 1970 top five hit. With Rose Garden, from Rose Garden to stealing Harry Potter Potter CDs, pretty funny stuff. Anderson. Here she is, back and forth. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. There's gotta be a little rain sometime. When you take, you gotta give some love. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no. I think uh, Amy is, uh, you got to watch the documentary on Amy Winehouse. Fascinating figure. Uh, was always destined for this thing. Couldn't uh, quit her demons and her demons took over. Is she also part of the uh, 27 Club, d Dad Muska? Uh, let me dig it up. I, I seem to I recall it. It's not very close. <laughs> yeah, I think she is part of the 27 Club uh, as well. She seemed to be uh, fixated on that. Uh, it was uh, back on this day in 2008. She was admitted into that very thing she's singing about. Uh, rehab and a battle to kick her addiction to drugs. A statement from record company Universal said she entered the facility after talks with her record label management, family and doctors to continue her ongoing recovery against drug addiction to which she ultimately succumbed to. Um, uh, she was indeed uh, 27, uh, September of 83 to July of 2011. So she uh, she was in the 27 club with, with, our, with the Lizard King. <laughs> 
Oh, it's hard for me to think. I, I, I go to True Detective every single time you say Lizard King, and it just it evokes way too much for me. You know, it's it. been a couple of months since I watched that first season. I, I I can't go more than about three or four. It's time to, for me to watch it again. Yeah, there it is. Uh, regurge, regurge. Let's, let's get into uh, what's happening in the educational realm uh, here. The 2021 Kids Count Data Book indicates positive New Mexico political report, but also continued challenges. What do you mean? We suck every year. Every single year in the state of New Mexico, we can't help but suck when it comes to kids. Yeah, this year, 49th. That's either 50th or 49th. And uh, Mississippi will never be 50th again in almost anything. According to the write-up, Windows said before the pandemic, New Mexico was gaining speed. When have we gained speed, D. Dowd Muska, and building a great opportunity for kids and families? Kind of... uh, Kind of crazy that uh, someone would say this. This is Emily Wildow, the uh, Kids Count Book coordinator, said the data was one of the biggest surprises for her to come out of the annual assessment. What was surprising? That we were continuing to be 49th and 50th. So a key piece, as she states, for 21 is the hardship data shows that many New Mexico families spent the child tax credit money to pay down debt. Here we go. All the people down there, instead of working, instead of doing anything else, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to use a child tax credit, not get any more jobs because we can't go to job. We can't go to our school, can't go anywhere because of COVID. Amber Wallen, executive director for something called NMVC, said New Mexico legislators need to continue to enact legislation, get this, positively impact families and children, particularly D-Dowd Muska, families of color. There you go. Once again. A majority minority state, and uh, we continue to, you know, play the race card in a place uh, like this. Michelle O'Han Grisham announced in her State of the State address on Tuesday that she hopes to see, quote unquote, legislation that will provide tax cuts. And of course, uh, she has the GRT. There's the Social Security tax that's going to be removed. Uh, but they continue to go to this other thing. And I got to ask you about this more than anybody. Is really the broadband access in rural communities, D. Down Muska, is that going to be one of the silver bullets that's going to? Get us across the finish line and improve the economic development situation in the state of New Mexico. Let's get real. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, everything that they've said before uh, that's going to uh, fix our kids count data books numbers and and, and boost our economic uh, development, economic diversification. Let's see, paying teachers more. That worked, right? Oh, no, that right. didn't work. Uh, expanding Medicaid. Uh, we're going to have everybody in New Mexico on Medicaid, free health care. That, that solved all our problems, right? Be, right? Oh. No, that didn't solve. Oh, uh, expansion of preschool. Uh, all the kids are going to be in preschool. That's fixed everything in New Mexico, right? Uh, n- no, that, that that hasn't worked. How about um, the early lunches, uh, pre, pre-K? pre Oh, of course. That's right. Free lunches. That. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, in some districts or some, some schools in some districts, if you're high enough poverty rate, everybody qualifies, even if you're uh, come from a middle class or affluent home, you qualify just because you live in that zip code or, or in that part of the district. Right. Uh, so your kids get free meals for that, whether they actually need them or not. Um, don't forget, folks, the Kids Count Data Book, it gets a lot of press every year when it comes out. Uh, it's produced by a liberal foundation, uh, and they are basically using it to advocate for more big government. A lot of the metrics, the methodology in that data book are very questionable. They actually count a uh, number of kids in Head Start, number of kids three and four years old who are in preschool. We know these these are metrics that are, that are not useful at all. There was a great index that was produced a couple of years ago by the Family Prosperity Index, a much, much better index, and they looked at things like Children uh, being raised in married couple households, marriage rate, divorce rate, uh, uh, fertility rate, you know, are people actually having kids, uh, Medicaid spending, 
the less, the better, not the more, the better. Uh, prison population, uh, government welfare programs, the prevalence throughout uh, births to unwed mothers, violent crime rates. So they were looking at uh, what it takes for a society to, to really thrive. And of course, even when you use, let's say, arguably more conservative metrics, we, of course, came in dead last for that. And who was number one? Of course, our neighbor, Utah, uh, who get, despite their recent issues uh, in terms of their socioeconomic decision making, they do things uh, very, very well. So don't be fooled uh, by the Kids Count data book. It comes out every year. Yes, it does expose uh, problems, and we have uh, a myriad of problems, but what they do is they use that. And in fact, I think Martin Heinrich had a press release last week where he actually used it. So they were coordinating with liberal politicians yep. to get this data out so that they can argue for more yep. big government. Uh, as I've said many times, New Mexico is ground zero for how big government fails to produce a thriving society. Don't fall for the scam, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, don't fall for it. Uh, well, in uh, kids, speaking of kids count, our schools are shuttered. Well, in uh, Flint, Michigan, quite possibly the worst place uh, in the United States for a long time economically. Yeah. You remember, you hear stories of a four-year-old shooting another kid. Yeah, that, that was all coming out of Flint, Michigan. They have decided in the public school sector to announce indefinite virtual instruction. Kids don't count there. Kids don't count here. It says, we're not going back to closing schools, but schools should stay open. However, we have an indefinite time for children to go ahead and remain at home. This is impacting people psychologically. Who knows what type of little bubble uh, creations that it's going to create in terms of the problems, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and it's not going to be good going forward. Back after a quick break, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Amy Winehouse taking us out. And when we return more, return more great talk, uh, but we're going to focus on that a good side. Two good things have happened in that uh, baby in the dumpster story in Hobbs. Finally getting to that, and we'll do that when we return right here in the Kiva. AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. What I know. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to Neil Diamond. Back into the Kiva on the Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIVA. Maybe you don't have One of the best karaoke songs you can possibly sing out there is uh, Neil Diamond. Uh, uh, just all the little quips and things that uh, he has to say. Uh, you know, he's a funny guy. So uh, there he is. Uh, uh, Neil Diamond uh, inducted into the, I don't know, every Hall of Fame and every other thing that was there. Never saw the jazz singer doubt, by the way. Oh, yes. The version with um, Laurence Olivier, I believe. That, that was Is that right. Uh, they remake that movie about every 15 years in Hollywood. I think I think the latest remake was uh, 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 Lady Gaga and, and uh, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's it. Neil Diamond, singer songwriter, 82 years young today. Uh, 81, excuse me. Uh, had a, the number one UK number three single, Cracklin' Rosie. Black and Rose and make you smile. Plus over 30 other U.S. 
And 10, top 10 UK top 40 singles wrote, I'm a believer. That's good for the Bunkies, which we just heard they started their show back in 67. Uh, Elvis Presley. Uh, there's another uh, thing that they call uh, old Neil Diamond. Oh, uh, Jewish Elvis. Yes. Jewish yes. Elvis. Okay. Not my term. Not my term. Someone else's. Lulu and Deep Purple all covered all his songs. Lulu from uh, To Sir With Love. And then uh, Home Before Dark was his last album in 2008. Became the oldest artist to have a U.S. number one, uh, which was previously held by Dylan in 2006 in modern times. So there you go. Uh, the great Neil Diamond, uh, D. Dodd Musk. All right. Uh, 550-5500. Let's jump into a good in bad update, uh, we'll start first with the bad because um, the baby in the dumpster story, okay? Uh, this is something that's kind of had a good ending because the father of the Hobbs, he's only 18. Al, uh, this is a young guy, young kid. Uh, his last name is Astorgas. The family says they're cooperating with police and that they're very happy that baby Saul that's his name. That's the name of the baby that was in the plastic bag that was thrown by Alexis Avila into the dumpster. Has come back now. Alexis told uh, the father Stephen all sorts of crap, all sorts of things. Like she wasn't pregnant, to she had a miscarriage, uh, that she believed she's no longer pregnant. So apparently they weren't with each other at the time that this all was going out. Remember, this baby was in a dumpster in six hours or six hours in your freezing temperature. Okay, now uh, to be detailed, he did not know that she was pregnant. She reported she suffered miscarriage. It wasn't until the news broke that what had happened to the baby that he and his family learned the truth because they knew Alexis. They wish they had known that Saul's mother was still pregnant so they could have helped avoid this horrific situation. Um, they're asking for prayers, but they do say that Saul is in safe and loving arms and he is doing well. So that's good news. Okay, very, very, very good news. The other thing in all of this is this uh, the community itself i mean think of those three people who jumped in uh hector hasso michael green and april nuttall uh these are the three people who responded found baby soul and were pivotal in saving the baby's life uh kob channel 4 covered this last uh last week they said that we went by the dumpster we decided to look in the dumpster for stuff that people throw away that we could use goodies and that's why we found him they weren't there because they heard him crying. They weren't there for any other reason. I mean, this is this, this divine providence hand that happened to just be popping in. Now, there's a GoFundMe campaign to give back uh, to the heroes themselves. I'm not sure why that's necessary, but maybe they're homeless or I'm not really uh, sure. According to one report, Miss Green is currently without residence and the goal is to buy them a camper so that way he'll always have a place uh, to live. But Thank God for these people, if they were indeed homeless, that they were homeless, Dowd. Uh, this is the uh, upside of this. So the, the the absentee, quote unquote, father or the father that didn't know that his girlfriend was pregnant, 18 years, him and his family are taking care of the child. And then the three people who found them, they're finding uh, their own home. Plus, uh, they've got to be, it's almost like a, a little bit of a Christmas story. You know, the, the three shepherds, I hate to go that far on this, but I think it, uh, uh, given uh, looking for a miracle, I think we're right there, Dad. Yeah, and I, this image that KOB posted, uh, still shot, I guess, of the of the security camera of the dumpsters, uh, has April uh, kind of holding, cradling the baby in some sort of blanket, and it's really, you know, to those of us who are interested in actual science, uh, the two men 
very, very quickly uh, handed the baby to the woman on site. Uh, I, th I thought, which which was kind of interesting. If men and women are exactly the same, um, it is. Uh, it, it'll bring a tear to your eye. I'm, you know, as I always say, I'm completely dead inside. But you see her kind of cradling this baby, and uh, wow, 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 chilling. And you know, good that we got the information about the father because the, you know, the, apparently the mother was lying through her teeth. Uh, we, oftentimes we rush to judgment. We could say that you know the father was didn't care or he participated in this. Now we've got some facts out. So, um, you know, a, a, a good ending to a, what could have been a, a horrific atrocity. Yeah, uh, certainly that. Uh, more good news uh, up north uh, of us in Colorado. Three Colorado children are luckily be alive last, uh, I believe, last month into, after uh, falling into an icy pond over the weekend. This, uh, according to, actually, it was uh, two weeks ago. Uh, 23-year-old Dusty Talavera was looking out of her window in Arapahoe County on Sunday when she saw three children fall through the ice into a deep pond near her home. She stated, I was looking out my window. I saw three kids fall in. Before I realized it, I was on the pond pulling two kids out, and that's when I fell in the pond going for the third kid. She told the station that she didn't hesitate and knew it was imperative that she act fast. Two of the three children made it safely out of the pond. Station reported but the third child, six-year-old girl, was not breathing by the time Talavera was able to pull her from the pond and onto the sidewalk. Six years young. KUSA TV reported the six-year-old boy, a cousin of the six-year-old girl, ran to the help of the 23-year-old, threw out a rope to help her pull herself, Talavera, and the little girl out of the water. She said, I'm thankful for the young man who threw me the rope. I would have been there longer. She would have been in there longer. I don't know what would have happened. Not only was the child not breathing at the time, she also was reportedly without pulse. Fire engineer Corey Sutton lauded Talavera's bravery. I have four boys, and what she did was amazing. We were back at the fire station talking about how brave she was, how great the officers did, and I hope that if this happened to one of mine, somebody like her was close by. So we have all these good Samaritans, good people. Uh, you can either call it dumb luck or divine providence. Whatever way, we're just glad that uh, people are paying attention. And, you know, these are more of these uh, stories that we actually do need to see, that people are standing up with the backbone trying to do something, Dad. Yeah, and it, it's a cliche, and you hear maybe uh, little old ladies say it, but, you know, why don't they ever report the good news? Uh, after the last two years we've had in America, maybe uh, maybe those of us in the media you really do need to make more of a commitment to, to talk about these stories, because they do exist. Yeah, I think it's important. But there was, uh, well, to kind of bring this ended on a bad note, just so you know that the types of things, and, you know, we should throw out a child abuse hotline in addition to the suicide hotline on all this, this is really important. Folks, uh, uh, people are going through a lot and they're neglecting their children. They're absconding, uh, you know, away from them, their responsibilities. I hope I use that word, word right. Uh, usually that uh, means stealing, but uh, what I mean is giving back their uh, responsibilities. Uh, this happened in Chicago. I just want you to listen just how important for those of you who are parents who take care of your children, uh, who are close to your children, uh, th that's the greatest job you'll ever have. But you'll be heartbroken to hear this. A North Chicago mother and two of her children have been charged in connection with the gruesome murder of a six-year-old Damari Perry, their young son and brother, after the boy's body was found wrapped in a trash can and dumped near an abandoned house in Gary, Indiana. Cold core temperatures and uh, frozen internal organs on Perry Coroner determined that he died of hypothermia, ruled his death a homicide. His mom, Janie Perry, a 38, has since been charged with first-degree murder, concealment of homicide, and obstruction of justice. The boy's older brother, 20-year-old Jeremiah Perry, has been charged with aggravated battery, concealing homicide, and obstruction of justice as well. 
and a third sibling described as a juvenile is also facing charges. That individual's identity is yet to be released. Damari was in a freezing shower for an extended period of time as punishment for something he had done. It held him there until he vomited, later became unresponsive. After Damari died, Jenny and Jeremiah Perry allegedly discussed how they could dispose the body, get away with the murder, at which point they decided to conceal the boy. This is a six-year-old. Conceal the boy's body in a trash bag and transport it across state lines to Gary. There they dumped it in a field next to an abandoned house, and on January 5th, the family reported Damari missing. Danny Perry suggested his sister was drinking, fell asleep by the time she woke up. Damari was gone. Obviously, that wasn't the story. Prosecutors, investigators, and victim support professionals worked late into the night and into the early morning to make sure they understood how the tragic crime came about. Because of the rigorous and detailed investigation, they'll be able to bring Damari's killers, the mom and the brother, to justice in the courtroom. 38-year-old mom, 20-year-old brother, for a six-year-old boy found dead. And uh, I got to tell you, that is uh, just heartbreaking uh, in every way. We have hear so much about uh, child abuse, but you don't hear stuff like that where they're actively trying to conceal something after punishing him, then essentially stuffing him in a trash bag and sticking him in Gary, Indiana. Uh, that's the reality of uh, so many people. So if you can do something uh, about it, if you can do something to stand up for your neighbor, you hear your friends, you hear that some child might be being abused, I think it'd be good to go ahead and pick up the phone and uh, maybe uh, place a call to the child abuse hotline. Um, 550-5500, that's 550-5500. Do you happen to have that child abuse hotline there, Dad? Uh, I do, uh, I do, uh, Edward. Uh, it is 855-333-7233. That is the, uh, the hotline for CYFD here in New Mexico, so it's not a national one. It's, it's focused on our state. 855 855- Three 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 seven two three three, and I think this story, Eddie. You know, we a lot of folks on the right talk a lot, and they're absolutely correct to, and they're accurate to, to talk about uh, the hell on earth that that Chicago just seems to be getting, you know, worse and worse. That the metro area, apparently North Chicago, I'm just looking up now, is a, is a different municipality, but it's right on the border of the of the big city itself. The the rank hypocrisy of liberal elites who will spout any line from BLM, who will talk about reparations, who will talk about institutional racism, and never, never, you will never hear anything from them about urban black communities with high crime rates where murder rates are through the roof, drug abuse uh, and addiction is through the roof, and and child child battery, child beatings, child murders are far, far, far too common. And, And just Anytime you hear a lefty talking about institutional racism in America, ask them if they care as much about black communities that are really hell on earth in our country because we've got more than one. Yeah, it is uh, something we hear far too often. So make sure that uh, you guys uh, think about placing a phone call. And I know that you don't think the best of CYFD, but uh, there really aren't any other alternatives. One more time, that number down? Uh, yes, indeed. It is 855 7233. That is the CYFD child abuse hotline. All right. Do something about it, folks. Back after a quick break, we're going to talk about Jordan Peterson and why he is no longer a tenured professor at the University of Toronto by choice. We'll do that when we return. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Happy birthday, Neil Diamond. We do okay forever in blue jeans. Baby, tonight. Baby, tonight by the fire, all alone, you and I. Nothing around but the sound of my heart and your sighs. 
Sing and dance and it can't walk Long as I can have you here with me I'd much rather be forever in blue jeans, babe And honey, sweet But it ain't nothing next to baby's treat If you'll pardon me, I'd like to Maybe tonight by the fire all alone you and I Nothing around but the sound of my heart and your side Got a little light today In the eye of the storm in the eye of the storm. Maybe he's coming to America. Little Jordan uh, Peterson. Neil Diamond, happy birthday. 81 today. And uh, there it is. Maybe his most famous. Uh, sung everywhere. Neil Diamond's coming to America. Um, another good karaoke. Maybe there's just all Neil Diamond songs are just uh, Cracklin' Rosie is pretty good. Harder to do karaoke style. But I remember, you know, doing a lot of uh, karaoke to uh, Neil Diamond. Now, do you, do you ever go karaoke? Uh, I, I only, I, I only, uh, I reserve my singing talents for the audience of, of, of this program, Eddie, oh, but uh, let's you. also, uh, let's also not forget, uh, Sweet Caroline played at Fenway yeah. Park, um, I believe at um, the uh, um. seventh inning. Yes. Yes. Do they do that's a, that's a tradition now, right after yes, their, it is. Yeah. I think that started, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that started uh, with Kurt Schilling and uh, the Bo Sox getting – that about the time when they started I doing I believe that? so. With the bloody yeah. sock, yes. Yeah, the yes. bloody sock. My favorite baseball player of all time is a man who will never be, I believe, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Some, something about it. Oh, all Kurt right, Schilling? Talk. Yeah, a little, little too conservative for uh, yeah. our politically correct time. Yes. Right, yeah. Uh, one thing we, we did forget to mention, uh, QB Channel 4 had a, a ridiculous um, – I should say a story about the ridiculousness about how much people are getting burglarized. And this one flower shop owner, uh, Lisa Velarde of signature sweets and flowers getting ready for Valentine's. Uh, the last three to four months have been really bad. She's been burglarized five different times folks in the latest break in, they stole printers phones and they've got a picture of the guy straight up doubt. Like, you know, they got a picture of the guy just, uh, absolutely straight up video. Everything can see him. Uh, it, every burglary that she's having is costing her a lot of money. The latest over $10,000 and she doesn't do what she doesn't report it to the insurance companies because she doesn't want to lose her coverage for fire. That's how crazy it is. Yeah. That's on Tim Keller. That's on the Democrats folks. There's no other way to phrase that. 550, 500. All right, Dowd, uh, I, I, I believe this is uh, almost better left for you in so many ways. You're more of a, um, and he, it, this whole thing was penned and put into uh, American Renaissance as well. I, I told everybody how much I just absolutely love uh, that, that website. But uh, yeah, Jordan Peterson, uh, no longer a tenured professor at the University of uh, Toronto. And I think this is uh, the, a logical step given how much success he's having uh, everywhere else. I mean, he's become an institution in himself. I don't know that he needs to be part of the University of Toronto doubt. 
Yeah, and and I Jordan Peterson is more eloquent than I am, Eddie. And I know I know it's against federal law to read on the radio, but his words really speak for themselves. Uh, you know, he's a he was a tenured professor at University of Toronto. Yeah, take, uh, take it away. I would almost read it as uh, Jordan Peterson. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, well, people often say he has a Kermit the Har- Frog voice, so I can't really do my my Kermit. But yeah, uh, that, would, that, that. That, that would annoy people. But uh, Jordan is walking away from professional academia, and I think you know a lot of intellectually honest people will want to do the same. But the problem is they don't really have his name recognition. I mean, Jordan sells millions of copies of books. He has all sorts of other income streams. Uh, Jordan Peterson is able to do this, whereas I think maybe your sort of garden variety academic has to. If they want to put food on, as George W. Bush said, uh, if you want to put food on your family, uh, you, you you maybe has to hang on. Fortunately, we do through podcasting, through uh, honest think tanks. We don't have one in New Mexico, but you know there are alternatives for intellectuals to get out of, of academia. Jordan's walking away, and uh, he, he cites a number of reasons. First, my qualified and supremely trained heterosexual white male graduate students, and I've had many others, by the way face a negligible chance of being offered university research positions despite stellar scientific dossiers. This is partly because of diversity, inclusivity, and equity mandates. My preferred acronym, DIE, D-I-E. These have been imposed universally in academia despite the fact that university hiring committees uh, had already done everything reasonable for all the years of my career and then some to ensure that no qualified minority candidates were ever overlooked. My students are also partly unacceptable precisely because they are my students. I am academic persona non grata because of my unacceptable philosophical positions. And this isn't just some inconvenience. These facts rendered my job morally untenable. How can I accept prospective researchers and train them in good conscience, knowing their employment prospects to be minimal? Really, how can you argue that? Uh, second, secondly, uh, this is one of many issues of appalling ideology currently demolishing the universities and downstream the general culture. Not least because uh, there simply is not enough qualified BIPOC people in the pipeline. Uh, BIPOC meaning black, indigenous, and people of color, for those of you not in the knowing woke. Uh, This has been a common knowledge among any remotely truthful academic who has served on a hiring committee for the last three decades. This means we're out to produce a generation of researchers utterly unqualified for the job. And we've seen what that means already in the horrible grievance studies disciplines. That, combined with the death of objective testing, has compromised the universities so badly that it can hardly be overstated. Uh, And what happens in the universities eventually colors everything as we have discovered. Now, this, I think, is the key point, because a lot of us who are not professional academics, you know, we think, well, this is just a bunch of tweed jacket people, you know, who cares that they don't really impact the larger culture. Uh, Jordan is right. This is filtered through the culture. And just one example he cites is how it's affecting the entertainment industry, which a lot of us participate in one way or another as consumers. Uh, For those of you who think I am overstating the case or that this is something limited in some trivial sense to the universities, consider some other examples. This report from Hollywood, the cliched hotbed of liberal sentiment, for example, indicates just how far the problem has gone. In 2020, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, those are the people who give out the Oscars, embarked on a five-year plan 
Uh, does that ring any historical bells? Nice, nice shot there. Uh, to <laughs> diversify our organization and expand our definition of the best. They did so in an attempt which included developing new representation and inclusion standards for Oscars to hypothetically, quote, better reflect the diversity of the movie-going audience, close quote. Hmm. This is everywhere. If you don't see it, your head is either in the sand or shoved somewhere far more unmentionable. CBS, for example, has literally mandated that every writer's room be at least 40% BIPOC in 2021, uh, with it going up to 50% in 2022. We are now at the point where race, ethnicity, gender, or sexual preference is first accepted as the fundamental characteristic defining each person. Uh, we spoke about Denzel the other day. You know, Denzel's not on board for uh, how he's supposed to be a black person, um, just as a radical leftist were hoping. And second, is now treated as the most important qualification for study, research, and employment. Again, it's not just the universities and the professional college. Uh, it's Hollywood. It's the corporate world. Diversity, inclusivity, and equity, D-I-E, is destroying us. Wondering about the divisiveness that is currently besetting us? Look no further than D-I-E. Wondering more specifically about the attractiveness of Trump? Look no farther than D-I-E. When does the left go too far? When they worship at the altar of diversity, inclusivity, and equity, uh, and insist that the rest of us, who mostly want to be left alone, do so as well. Uh, enough already, enough, enough. Uh, Mr. Peterson is walking away from professional academia, and uh, I give him a round of applause from the Dow 3000. He's walking away from professional academia and uh, like plunging headfirst into educating the rest of the world on great ideas, or maybe it's just a great reminder what you get with him or all the things that you forgot and all the common sense that is just checked out. Jordan Peterson has seemed to sort of quarter to the market on that, branded, and then uh, you go to him. And he's been featured on Joe Rogan, amongst a number of others. Uh, I just recently picked up his uh, latest book. I don't have the title in front of me, but it's an audible. Um, and uh, he reads that entire book. So there's different ways to digest information as well. Pick up the audible book, uh, Dowd, as well. Yeah, and I, I think that what Jordan has made, and I, I've been looking for it, Eddie, because I watched it online, a video online a couple months ago, and I haven't been able to track it down. Maybe it was taken off. Maybe I might have been watching it on YouTube. Uh, Jordan focuses like a laser beam in this lecture. It's about, an, I think it's about an hour and a half on how insane it is to treat people. We mentioned Denzel Washington not fitting the Hollywood narrative, not fitting the narrative that black folks in America are supposed to espouse. He focuses on how many different ways you can be different. And the idea that your gender or the skin pigmentation is your defining characteristics. I mean, there is differences among people in so many ways. You know, the quality of parenting you had growing up, uh, there are different levels of intelligence. I mean, some people have formulaic intelligence. Some people have analytical intelligence. Some people have practical skills. Uh, there's differences in, in your, uh, they've done all sorts of sociologists of studies looking at how attractive people tend to get better breaks in our culture. Right. That kind of lack of equity in our society uh, is rampant, and it's, it's, it extends so far more beyond your skin pigmentation or your gender or your sexual orientation. Uh, we are uh, a society in which everyone is perfectly equal as a society. We can make that happen, and a couple times in human history, we've, we've come close to making it happen. We can make everyone equally miserable. Um, we used to celebrate vive la différence. We used to uh, delight in sort of natural diversity. Now we have sicko ideologues trying to impose 
equity. Um, and you just got it, folks, always watch out for that word equity. It, it doesn't mean what you might think it means. It really means enforced sameness at the point of a gun by government. Uh, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, we all get along and we, we treat, we're equal under the law. Equity is a real sick, sick ideology, and we have to fight it. And God bless Jordan Peterson for fighting. And it. they say equality of outcome is what they're looking for. We're looking Basically, for a yeah. level playing field. Uh, that means where you play before the outcome. And uh, I think these things are uh, things that we have to continually remind our audience and ourselves of all the time. Uh, life is not fair. And that's a good thing, right? Greed is actually good. And more than anything, you know what's involved? Intelligence and the dirtiest word, the dirtiest four-letter word in the English language, which of course is work. That's right. It's not the other one that you guys know. All right. Happy birthday, Neil Diamond. Third hour up next. We'll be going to cover the uh, legislature when we return first week and uh, kind of check in on all the introductory week and three more weeks to go. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Every time that flags unfurled, they come into America. Got a dream to take them there They come into America Got a dream they got to share They come into America Six of the 505 with more 411 here for your third hour on this Monday. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk, AM 600 KIVABQ.FM, Rock of Talk.com. The music of John Belushi and the Blues Brothers. Uh, yeah, and then the little MC there in the uh, intro on SNL. When comedy was comedy, those guys were funny guys. Born on this day back in 1949. Uh, that's uh, He was uh, born <clears throat> and uh, we lost him on the 5th of March of 1982 uh, from a drug overdose. He actually uh, had a couple of hits, believe it or not, in the UK number 12 single, Everybody Needs Somebody to Love, posthumously. And uh, he also uh, played in the Joliet Jake Blues in the Blues Brothers. Uh, so there you go. That's, uh, that was him. And it was a, a great movie uh, long ago. Uh, well, that was the Blues Brothers. Not sure if you've ever seen it. I know I have. I was involved at the uh, Universal Studios, by the way, Hour 3, you and me and the Dow 3000. Dowd, I was at Universal Studios when I was uh, nine years old, and they asked me to they, they create a movie. And so, as you do, you get an opportunity to be in the movie. And so I got picked from the audience, and they put me in a plane, and they did the whole entire thing. It's, it's like an interleave between uh, Keystone Cops, Blue Bro the Blues Brothers, and it's all about uh, finding this giant bag, this satchel, I think it was featured later on in like different strokes or something like that. But yeah, I got to play the, the part in that. 
And that's how I got to know the, the Blues Brothers when they're driving the car through the mall. You might remember that from the Blues yes, Brothers and yes, all yes, those yes. pieces on it. All that was interleaved, integrated into uh, the the great film that we did. I wish I we probably have it somewhere. I don't know, 12, 14, uh, you know, it, it, whatever, however uh, uh, old I was. I think I was actually I was nine years old. I was Sam's age when this happened. And oh, wow. It was uh, a thrill. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. So we had that and. We, we watched that video over and over. We just showed everybody. My dad was in it. I was in it. I'm trying to think if my sister or not was in that. But, uh, you know, they do. They used Can to you do imagine the, the, the Blues Brothers being made today, Eddie, with you've got two white guys culturally appropriating right. soul music. Okay, so that's white imperialism. Uh, I, 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 I'm pretty sure Dan Aykroyd is a Canadian. Belushi, I think, was the son of Albanian immigrants. Uh, very, very white. Uh, you've got... Uh, humor uh sometimes off-color humor you have these black acts that come in i mean a lot of people say that you know james brown had really faded into the background by the time the blues brothers came out you had aretha franklin uh, in, in introducing i think this is there a brief scene with john lee hooker i think in in, yeah, in the blues brothers right. yep. i mean you've got in, introducing to the white more affluent younger saturday night live crowd these uh soul uh, and r&b black acts uh white people black people together entertaining uh uniting not talking about how horrible america is talking about how great america is because we all can appreciate this kind of music um that there, there's zero chance that that could be made today because yeah, we made so much progress in our country the cultural appropriation <laughs> is the key theme uh there 550 5500 speaking of uh, making films uh, no money for the film industry in this legislative session. No pre-filed uh, bill. Yeah, Dowd, could you imagine uh, a, a legislative <laughs> session without uh, more candy that everybody wants in in, uh, in the woke places of the world? You know, New York, Los Angeles, uh, Chicago. I mean, yeah, I mean, really well, I mean, maybe they right? figure 110 million uh, and then unlimited if you have a studio here. Maybe maybe we'll just stop right there for the subsidies. Maybe that's enough for 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 now for Hollywood. Yeah. All right, let's race through this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and let's talk about uh, some of the new stuff because this is just starting to sort of, you know, hit the ground. We, of course, have, have uh, already talked about the critical race theory bill, HB 91, being introduced uh, by none other than uh, Rebecca Dow, and we're very happy about that. Uh, more than $1 billion in new revenue plus additional federal pandemic relief uh, to distribute. This is one of the reasons why Michelle Lujan Grisham will likely be reelected uh not to mention the abolishment of the social security tax that's huge uh she's she knows which uh, groups to go for in a 30-day sex uh, session peterworth states an election year in the middle of a COVID spike it's challenging on all fronts oh is it uh this is a cinch for them they know what they're going to introduce they're going to come out as the heroes jim townsend the house minority leader the republican said his caucus will also introduce a slew of crime bills they won't get credit for it folks the Democrats have made this their agenda. All of that will get pushed under the rug. It will be shown that the Democrats are going to be the ones that are going to be tough on crime, even though all this stuff actually came from us Republicans. That's right. They're going to start pushing all the things that we've introduced over the last three, four, five years, been talking about, and make it part of their Democrat agenda. Okay, Just politics. They used to say all Republicans talk about is crime, 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 Jim said, but now they are. We had a record homicides in Albuquerque. Now they think they have got really good ideas. We'll help get those through. That needs to get done. So, well, uh, when you don't get it done in the time that it needs to get done, right, you don't get the credit for it. So uh, between the midway mark, between the two proposed budgets at hand, 
8.4 legislative finance committees, $8.46 billion proposal. And the, the very interesting thing that also came from the legislative uh, committee was that uh, the pretrial services isn't going to, removal of that is not going to reduce crime. Both are similar when it comes to funding public education. We are not going to be reducing that. Everyone's going to be spending money. $3.8 billion is about what is allocated in both budgets. So here we are. We have the coronavirus. It's all over the roundhouse. In fact, you can't get in unless you show your, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a negative test uh, and or a uh, vaccination card. They're asking, asking, asking for vaccination cards uh, everywhere. Stewart said uh, the Legislative Council Service set up testing guidelines for staff and uncovered a handful of positive tests in the first week already. Of the 91 tests already, five were positives, all asymptomatic. So these uh, New New Mexico lawmakers returning for this legislative session, uh, Dowd, uh, they have to do exactly that. They have to show a vaccination card and or a negative COVID test. QE 13 did a little bit of uh, investigation. They did start bought some people trying to get in without vaccination cards, but security would not let them in. Cliff Pirtle also refused to wear his mask, which is required in the roundhouse. So the pandemic has changed, certainly the legislative session, but it's also changed things for Michelle Lujan Grisham. Now, this was very uh, interesting because this is a, a kind of a, a liberal uh, a lick boot, a bootlicker, Bill Casaus, not a fan. He will pick up stuff uh, on the right when it comes to dilute the strength uh, of the of the right, uh, that is. But, you know, he's got this uh, very sobering approach for Michelle Lujan Grisham, yet at the very end of this, his article, Dowd, he uh, uh, basically gets right back in the, uh, in the car seat with her and says, well, she's done the right thing overall. Un- unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> this piece, uh, where, where, where to begin? Just before I get to Michelle, uh, sure. the statement you read, Eddie, that uh, Peter Worth, the Senate Majority Leader, says it is a it's going to be challenging work for us. Uh, challenging work in an air-conditioned office where you spend other people's money. Uh, hey, Peter, maybe you go do some road paving in the American Southwest in August, and maybe you might learn what real challenging work is like. Uh, you know, that's humble, humble suggestion. But yeah, yeah th- this post from the uh, this essay, Eddie, from uh, the guy who is the, yeah. the editor of the Santa Fe New Mexican. Which, you know, frankly, you know, they do do their reportage. I mean, the editorial page is a disaster, but the reportage on issues affecting state government are pretty good. I would say actually better than the Albuquerque Journal, even though it has a smaller uh, circulation. But, you know, it's it, it, it's just indicative uh, I, I, of where these people's thinking is. Uh, it, there's a lot of... You know, to the liberal mind, getting stuff done in government is the highest priority. Uh, he cites this uh, this uh, uh, quote from her, uh, our our dear governor. I drink more coffee in an hour than you do in a day. Uh, you you don't want someone like that in government. Uh, you don't want an active person. In go- you want Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation in government. You want people in government who don't want to be there and want to get out as quickly as possible and want to leave you alone. Um, but he walks you through. Uh, MLG's uh, political situation, uh, the legislative session. Uh, he says the all the news on the COVID nineteen front is unrelentingly bad. Um, I don't know what world he lives in. Uh, the news on COVID nineteen is unrelentingly good uh, from anyone who really looks uh, at the numbers. Um, the data and, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and then, and then this this final uh, word about uh, having to figure out how to lead uh, through the pandemic. Uh, we've had 
more leadership from MLG, uh, leadership in the wrong direction, leadership in terms of doubling down on everything that isn't working in, in New Mexico. Uh, I, I wish we had a little less leadership uh, from Michelle Luan Grisham and a little more leadership from people uh, who want to take us uh, in a different direction. But you see these these kind of pieces uh, uh, pop up from time to time at the start of the session, uh, telling people kind of how to think and, and what to think about what's coming up. Um, you know, he, he he's right that she's a good politician. I'll give him that. She's a good politician. I wouldn't bet against her. We're, what, 10, less than 10 months away now. Um, but uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I Call me a cynic. Call me... H.L. Mencken, but I do not want a governor who drinks more coffee in an hour than I do uh, all day. Uh, I'll, I'll go with someone else. I didn't know that about her. So you get these little quirky things. But I think what that really illustrates is uh, just how much of a bootlicker uh, old Phil Casaus is. If he knows how much coffee she drinks, uh, he's going to probably uh, say only positive things about her, even in an indirect way. Uh, and this is what he's trying to do in this particular essay is bring more people in to the fold. And just tell everybody how difficult of a job that she has and what would you do? And calling that awesome. in will get more people to be sympathetic towards Michelle Lujan Grisham. It's sort of like, a, you know, those backhanded compliments uh, that people oftentimes give. Though, there you go. Well, the crime thing is important. And Michelle Lujan Grisham, taxes, quarter, quarter percent reduction in the gross receipts tax. That's really nothing, but at least it's a reduction. That's going to get some votes. Then on top of that, you've got the Social Security attacks. That gets an entire uh, area of votes, probably 80% of old people in that. And then on top of that, well, crime, crime all the time. Now she is proposing $100 million for 1,000 new officers across the state. I'm not sure how this whole thing is going to get allocated, but that's a lot of money for salaries for officers uh, without them getting bumps. This is literally telling we got $100,000 for every single officer that we want to go ahead and bring in. It's a big chunk of change, folks, okay? So um, the Albuquerque Police Officers Association, Sean Willoughby, states, we need, remember, this is the guy that, they, the, the APOA pretty much backed me by not endorsing anybody. The fire yeah. department pretty much backed me by not endorsing anybody. He says, we need the $100 million of investment as a profession, but on the same token, they're investing $100 million and there's legislation that brings back double dipping, which is wage-regressive tactic. Seems to me that both groups, politicians and the unions, only care about just having more money. John Willoughby knows how to leave the door to ask for even more money. He said bringing back the double dipping or incentivizing retired police to return to work is short-sighted. Unless we start thinking outside the box, we're going to be, it's going to be a waste of the $100 million, meaning... It's not enough. It's not enough. He states, finally, that these young men and women are smart. They know what the community support police and what don't. Let's put the fourth and effort and make sure that we're solving this problem for the future in New Mexico. Not just that you have political talking points to get good polling numbers because you're running an election. So he understands it, and he knows how to kind of play the middle and play both sides. Where are we going to get 1,000 police officers? That's what I'd like to know. Throwing that number out there makes it seem as if Michelle Lujan Grisham knows that there's a thousand people out there just waiting if we could pay them to become police officers. But if you look into the detailed issues within the Albuquerque Police Department, you've understood that they're way beyond just simple budgeting, way beyond simple just getting paid. You're going to have to get rid of the Albuquerque Police Department and James Ginger and their oversight during this time. 
their oversight of what's happening at City Hall is having horrible impacts on crime, allowing these guys to be more of the criminals, our police officers, than the actual criminals out on the streets. The bondsman, Theragon, that whole thing has just, uh, uh, the, the, the Charlie Daniels thing has just wiped that all away. Then, of course, you have the Arnold tool. That processing, they're basically stating right now that even if they were to do away with that, that's not going to help crime. We know that it would because we've let numbers of people uh, out, and plus we don't have the bail bondsman. That $100 million, Sean is actually right in that it won't reduce crime because the real problem doesn't so much have to do with money. It has to do with how our police are policed. And the Department of Justice is overseeing our Albuquerque Police Department with James Ginger at, to the tune of, I don't know, 4 or $5 million a year. Those are the real issues. When you have to write reports and the use of force issues, uh, not to mention how we have condemned our police department for any activity. And they can't even arrest for most crimes. Most of the crimes that you see on a day-to-day basis, people walk into malls now and just steal all sorts of stuff. Nobody can stop them. And it's non-prosecutable. We can't keep people behind bars. So the real issue is a complete overhaul of our justice and police department. But our police officers don't feel appreciated no matter how much no matter how much money that you give them. 550, 500 and I think, Dowd, uh, it's going to be hard to disagree with me on any of those points as well as Sean Willoughby. No, the only thing I would just sort of supplement your comments with, Eddie, is this: is, is the, the, the people who love big government and want to spend more uh, of your, or your dollars, people like Michelle Luan Grisham, in a sense, the, what we've been dealing with the last couple of years, really going back to Trayvon and you know all the, you know the whole the birth of Black Lives Matter is they're caught in a bind because on the one hand they want to spend money they love spending your money but the on the other hand spending money on law enforcement is problematic because isn't law enforcement racist sexist homophobic uh, cops are really the enemy they're the reason we have point, the crime yeah. problem we do so the progressives want to spend money. Uh, they're always willing to spend uh, money, and they're and they're certainly willing to spend money on hiring more union uh, union people who pay union dues because someone so much of that revenue ends up in the hands of these politicians. But law enforcement, you you made the point, Eddie. Law enforcement slowly and surely is is drifting away from the liberal camp because they're starting to realize, and the you know the kind of things that Sean Willoughby said said over the years uh, in terms of standing up for the Second Amendment. Uh, a lot of law enforcement either didn't endorse. Uh, you know, in political races, didn't endorse the Democrat or or even on occasion have endorsed Republicans. I believe a whole bunch of police unions endorsed Donald Trump for reelection mm-hmm. across the country. I remember we yep. read that article, you know, however right. many years that ago was. Are we, what are we in 2027 now? I'm, I'm losing track of time. So this is a fight, you know, big government on big government crime. We're going to see who kind of wins this because, of course, MLG wants to uh, she wants to spend 100 million dollars more on all sorts of things. But what was an ally for democratic machine politics, the law enforcement unions, uh, because ideology, crazed progressive ideology has taken over the Democratic Party. Law enforcement, guys like Sean Willoughby are, are looking around and saying, yeah, we're, we got a target on our backs, so we're not going to help you as much. So what's the incentive for someone like Michelle Lohan Grisham to help these guys out? So this is an in, intra-party fight kind of here between two, I guess, partners that may not 
be partners anymore. One, one, one party to the partnership is drifting away. And I will commend as much as I hate government employee unions, I will commend the, the police and fire unions for waking up to the fact that these Democrats are, you know, that, that, that a, a crazed sort of woke ideology has taken over their party. And maybe law enforcement doesn't want to be a, a key component um, of the Democratic Party anymore. So kudos to you guys for waking up on this. Yeah, I think uh, it's important to uh, just uh, identify uh, and, and really see what the progressive view of that. We saw that in Portland. We saw it in Seattle, Milwaukee, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, you know, uh, literally attacking the police and anyone. And, and that hasn't gone away. It hasn't subsided despite, in fact, it's actually induced a higher level in crime in every one of those places because police officers feel less and less appreciative. So they've grav- gravitated more and more towards the right, or I should say are launched more and more to the right than ever gravitated in that direction because they're expecting these police officers to have those oldest level uh, of understanding. Now, the very leftist uh, newspaper or whatever you want to call it, Source NM, is I think a good way to characterize that level of thinking. And, it, and it's so far gone that we can never improve on our crime rate here as long as there's people like this continuing to say these ridiculous things and cover crap that, uh, in my opinion, has no business being covered. So they went to the Roundhouse Tuesday morning, talked to a woman named Hazel Batred. Batres Chavez. I've, I've never heard that name. Batres Chavez. It's almost a made-up name. And she was hand-stitching names into strips of deep red fabric. What was she doing? She was hand-stitching the names of people who died at the hands of the New Mexico police, any New Mexico police in 2021. Now, we've seen four police officers being shot in Albuquerque at a coffee shop. We've seen one police officer in southern New Mexico on I-10 to Las Cruces murdered in cold blood, that's five right there. That's one third. These people who died at the hands of New Mexico police, if we went through every single one, and I think maybe we should, so we can talk to Ms. Batres Chavez and talk with them about their rap sheet and what they did in the last moments of their lives. But, but again, now, now they got an argument. Second highest per capita rate in New Mexico for people killed by police in the country. She was starting something called a sew-in, a demonstration by the, get this, People's Budget New Mexico, a coalition of 15 organizations calling on state lawmakers to use federal pandemic relief funding to address the root causes of crime, meaning don't give it to the police officers. Don't address the crime. Let's give it to more of the people that need more money, apparently. All the measures said the state budget should be spent elsewhere, not on $100 million on police officers. A woman by the name of Celinda Guerrero, an abolitionist organizer from Albuquerque, says more funding for the police will not aid in public health, wellness in our communities, nor will it address the root causes of the crime. Uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham, I'd love to see you address them. Please, by all means. How, how are you going to straddle that? Guerrero also said police presence doesn't satisfy people's most pressing needs. What do they actually need? Well, they want police officers like they have uh, Tim Keller's brand new uh, organization that's out there doing exactly this stuff. Handing out Cheetos, handing out water, handing out all those types of things. Guerrero said police presence does not satisfy their most pressing needs, including housing, food, health care, education, clean air, water. <laughs> what? Yeah, wokeness. Suze Han Ho, a professor at UNM, says, and part of the art collective. I love that. Down. The frontier. I love the art collective. Yeah, the art collective. <laughs> said mass incarceration disproportionately affects people of color and high rates of incarceration in certain neighborhoods 
can lead to more crime. So I guess if you lock them up and you lock away the bad guys, somehow that leads to more crime. I'm trying to figure out the science there. Because of family stress, neighborhood disintegration, and undermining community support system. Complete and total ridiculousness. But at least you understand their viewpoint and their perspective on all of this. Uh, and that's not going to change much. It really just isn't. Uh, any final notes to add to that, doubt? Well, I would just add that... that, that... <sighs> Every few, every few years, uh, there's a think tank in Washington called the Heritage Foundation, more of a traditionally conservative organization. They do a lot of research. There's a guy there named Robert Rector uh, who does research on social welfare spending. And they every few years, they update the numbers on how many dollars, your dollars, have been spent to address what these people are claiming uh, to care about. You know, don't don't enhance law enforcement, spend money on housing, food, health care, education, uh, job opportunities, uh, urban camping areas. Um I've lost track. I haven't looked at the numbers, but they've gone back to the great society on the literally tens of trillions of dollars that have been spent as I guess MLG and these people would call public investments. Uh, we've been told since the great society before I was born and I'm not a young man that if we make these investments in housing, food, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that will solve these problems. We've also watched decade after decade as most of these problems have gotten worse. Uh, homelessness, out of wedlock births, uh, behavioral health issues, substance abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Most of these problems, uh, and of course, we've had we've made some progress on crime, but that wasn't due to welfare spending. That was that was some smart policies. And of course, we've taken our hands off uh, the leash on crime in the last couple of years because of St. George of Fentanyl and crime's completely out of control. So tens of trillions of dollars in what the liberals the progressives call public investments have been made these fools at the was it the public was it the people's budget in new mexico uh, like adam carolla says stupid or liar either they're too stupid to know that we haven't that we've spent tens of trillions of dollars on their welfare programs or they're just conveniently ignoring the fact that we've spent tens of trillions of dollars on their ineffective welfare programs but i'm, I'm sad to say eddie this uh, these people have a lot more sway in the roundhouse than people like you and I do. Well, let's just talk for a moment about how else they are attacking it. Remember, you know, guns for them are not inanimate objects. They grow legs and apparently they uh, go and they kill people on their own. And as well-intentioned as, and sad to lose the life of Benny Hargrove, um, penalizing gun owners who don't secure their firearms is not going to reduce any level of crime. Even if it is, and they're already trying to do this in Rio Rancho, you saw that, uh, what they did a little bit earlier this year. I'm not on board for anything that has any law to touch, infringe, or, uh, you know, it, actions have consequences, right? And certainly good, responsible gun owners are already doing this on their own. They don't need a law to tell them and then penalize them. And then what's worse is how are you going to go ahead and police any of this stuff? It is has zero impact overall if you were to actually take a, study and look at this uh, of storing guns in safe that that's actually going to prevent more and more deaths or more and more murders but solutions to violence and uh, this group that's uh, jumping behind them advocates want more gun safety how are they going to do it well they've got a new law that aims to penalize gun owners who don't secure their weapons james applewhite mentor close friend uh, benny states he was a great person with a great sense of humor he would make me laugh for him to be tragically taken out the way he was, did, was very senseless, didn't make any sense, all for him to get killed in school. Well, let's think for a moment. The boy who killed him's father was a felon, continued to be a felon, was a bad guy overall. How about instead of putting the guns in the lockers, 
How about putting the criminals in the prisons where they need to be? That would have prevented all of this so that that young 13-year-old didn't go down and shoot Benny Hargrove. That's what would have done it. And everybody knows that. That's crazy. The Benny Hargrove Gun Safety Act is not going to have any impact whatsoever. We've had a tragic accident that happened over at Washington Middle School. But it happened because a bad father with a long rap sheet was near his son who supposedly got into his, what were you going to, were you going to, you weren't going to get him for all the other things that the father was doing. You were going to get him for not having his gun in his safe. It just makes absolutely no sense at all doubt. No. And, and I think laying down a hard and firm definition of what constitutes, you know, safe and secure gun storage is kind of stupid. Every household is different. Uh, if you've got seven kids uh, running around, uh, high-spirited children, and you leave a loaded, you know, semi-automatic rifle in the in the middle of the living room, you know that's pretty stupid. I live alone. My 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 Glock is next to me much of the time when I'm when I'm home, particularly at night, uh, given given what what Albuquerque is. Uh, and so I think uh, you know again, it's great virtue sig- signaling on the on the part of the left, but uh, uh, you got to be very very careful about this. And you, you're dead right, Eddie. The the uh, why not nip this problem in the bud by putting bad people in jail to begin with? And uh, it's just, uh, it's, uh, hey, great, great politics here for Ivy Soto and, you know, these other uh, Herndon uh, and all these other legislators. I'm sure the soccer moms eat this stuff up uh, like catnip. But those yep, of us who, who understand the crime problem and also the Second Amendment, maybe a little more comprehensively, understand that we need to be very concerned about legislation like this. More dumb legislation uh, for something we don't already do not use, which you can uh, see. And I had a double negative on purpose there. An $85.5 million towards Opportunity Scholarship with SB 140 coming through. What would be the most accessible state-funded scholarship program in the country, Doubt, According to a news release from the Office of the Governor, up to 35,000 New Mexico students that are enrolled at a public college would attend tuition-free. Oh, two groups she's going after. She's going after the no Social Security tax group, right, which is basically everybody 62 and a half and older, or I probably will just say 65 and older, a good large voting block. So she knows how to lock them up. Now she's going for, hey, the 18 to 22 year olds or 18 to 30 year olds, if you will, with their uh, Opportunity Lottery College Affordability Legislative Endowment New Mexico College Fund. And all you need to do is maintain a 2.5 GPA for the Opportunity Scholarship that covers full tuition fees for residents of all ages who are working towards a certificate, associate, and bachelor's degree, either full-time or, get this, part-time at any New Mexico public or tribal college or university. Free is in in 2022 with all that additional money that she's got down. That's insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, creating more, you know, brand-new entitlement, basically. Uh, as with all of these spending programs, Eddie, I think it's important to remember the New Mexico appropriators, uh, and and uh, again, uh, there are a lot of liberals like to say, "Oh, pol- all politicians love to love to cut taxes." Politicians always want to cut taxes. No, what politicians want to do, and Paul G. Go, the Wall Street Journal, made this point many years ago. What politicians of all stripes love to do is spend money. They love to spend money more than anything else. Uh, a lot of politicians don't like tax cuts. All politicians like to spend money. Um, we are in a unique moment. Tens of billions flowing in from Washington. Uh, record-setting oil and gas revenue. What happens when that's not around? Uh, You take 
what will probably prove to be very temporary revenue surges, but you enact permanent government programs. Does that make any kind of sense? I mean, if you hit the lotto and, and want a good chunk of change, uh, would you increase your spending pattern so that you would spend all that money every year for the rest of your life? Uh, no, that's madness. But that's and what they're going to be able doing. to generate the revenue to maintain this. Exactly. What is saying after this uh, money has all been spent. Uh, but hey, we've uh, leveraged our future, and uh, some people, again, those crazy leftists, uh, continue to uh, a virtue signal, and now they're doing it uh, much like, uh, well, you know who the famous climate activists are uh, throughout the world. And here they are. A panel of New Mexico youth climate activists held a live session last week about organizing power-shifting solutions instead of proposals prioritizing the pockets of industry and corporations. Was that sound? Well, it sounds just like the Green New Deal that Michelle Lujan Grisham passed back in 2019. And that, of course, was make us energy, right? 100% renewable energy by 2045. Well, now there's an entire group out there who continues to do the work on behalf of Michelle Lujan Grisham. Houston nodded for climate crisis action, hosting energy democracy convergence. Listen to this bullcrap. That those three words to get energy democracy convergence to deliberate the principles, frameworks, opportunities, and threats, environmental and climate justice movements. They're in a critical moment, they state, with climate scientists having warned the world we need to act before the planet heats to a point where hundreds of millions of people are boiled. Sorry, uh, it just felt like it was going to go that way. Space flooding, droughts, poverty, and other effects of climate change. I said, we need to make sure... <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna do I was gonna do her voice, but I'll stay away from it. We need to make sure that these investments and plans benefit our communities. Climate policy should be led by and directed by those impacted. Shame on you! Shame. I mean, you remember how bad that speech was. That's essentially all they've created right here, and they get to hang up, uh, hang out up in uh, Santa Fe, pushing this type of stuff. Now, at the very same time that this is going on, right? These people are generally, you know. Trust fund babies or, you know, these, uh, you know, uber liberal left nonprofit type of workers. And who does the state of New Mexico want to push out and doubt? Got a firsthand chance to see this just a couple of summers ago I when I took them up to Angel Fire, New Mexico. And, uh, it, you know, little Texas up there in uh, old Angel Fire. Well, it got pretty ugly for Texans because literally there was New Mexicans yelling at them, go back home. Go back home. Don't be here in don't be here in New Mexico. So now putting uh <clears throat> let's see, putting a little meat on the bone with uh Representative McQueen, <clears throat> vacation rentals and Texan second homes would be taxed more. That's right. Go home under a new proposable uh bill. So they introduced this new legislation to collect more in taxes from owners and properties used for Airbnb as second or third homes. 20-year-old cap has meant that longtime homeowners have not seen sudden huge increases in the property taxes. That's a good thing. That's they buy, they buy property here. If they live in the neighborhood, that is suddenly popular, like in parts of Albuquerque and Santa Fe. But critics say it's a giveaway to property owners who can afford the property taxes and are driving that neighborhood change. And it burdens low-income property owners with an unfair share of the tax levy, according to Representative McQueen out of Santa Fe. This is a sickness. Uh, you want to go ahead and remove wealth from the state of New Mexico? Well, what do you think has been driving some of these property prices in some of these places as these people have been attracted to New Mexico for whatever reason they like it? I mean, I'm, I'm only kidding. Uh, Angel Fire is a, a, a beautiful place, but 
penalizing a group from Texas or anybody from outside the state for investing here in the state of New Mexico. Not a good way to go, Doug. Uh, asinine beyond belief. Uh, in a second, I'll get into the Republican who's co-sponsoring this legislation, another wonderful example of our, our GOP in the state fighting for, for good policy. But, you know, they're going to increase the cap on the property tax assessment. I mean, currently set at 3%. And, you know, these caps go all the way back to the 1970s, Eddie, when property taxes were raging and the, 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 the gra- true grassroots, uh, I believe it was Howard Jarvis, the taxpayer organization in, in uh, California. And then it sort of reverse change course America and that property tax rebellion spread to the east and a lot of states including New Mexico figured out you know putting a cap on an assessment so you don't get a reassessment on your home because the market is raging and suddenly your home is worth a hundred thousand more dollars or two hundred thousand more dollars out of no action on your part just in terms of the in terms of what's going on in the market so the three percent cap goes up to ten percent uh if you do not if it's not an owner occupied so uh, clearly you know they're, they're, they're targeting people who have uh, rental own properties and do air and b&b or just come in or or just don't do don't do that at all just come in the time of year that they enjoy it uh we we met a lot of people that weekend in uh from texas eddie up in up in angel fire great good people, people. Good um people. And, and and again you know this is this is uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say a, I'll say a, a trigger term for people on the on the left, but this is segregation. Basically, uh, we used to believe in equal justice under law. Now you have differential tax treatment based on you know you know whether you live in your property or not. Uh, you know we have a different point system for who gets the uh, medical treatments for coronavirus or not based on your 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 racial or your poverty rate or whatever. Um, we are uh, I guess our leaders in Santa Fe and elsewhere they really like judging people. I thought we were supposed to treat people equally, but but not so much anymore. Uh, Jason Harper of Rio Rancho, he's a Republican. Uh, he did not respond to the reporter's request oh, for comment not. on this. Yep. Uh, he is a co-sponsor of this. Boy, we need to smack some sense into Republicans in this state in a big, big way. He's a big uh, Rio Grande Foundation guy, too. So, uh, oh, yeah. Let's oh, yeah. not forget uh, yeah. his connection there. Okay, uh, finally, uh, that uh, Jason and McQueen didn't stop there. They uh, upped the ante there on space flight taxes, which I think it's fine, but it really doesn't really mean anything because there isn't going to be any tickets that have anybody going to space. This is um, at best window dressing, just something else to go ahead and say, hey, we're going to tax people from outside the state uh, who are coming in on these tickets. Uh, folks, there isn't any going to be there isn't going to be any uh, space travel in 2022 or 2023 uh, going out of the New Mexico spaceport. So this is uh, pretty much a, a done deal. Uh, it doesn't even failure to launch uh, right off liftoff. And uh, finally, I think uh, let's talk about the brand new, um, I don't know him. I did look at it, but he was deputy superintendent for Las Lunas schools. Seems like a conservative. He's uh, part of something called LLS Protecting and Preserving the Future, a group of leaders from the district, law enforcement, fire departments, uh, and resource officers at the attorney general's office. Uh, he states, and his name is Brian Baca. Sorry, Brian, if I failed to say your name. Uh, we can do that by making sure people are taken care of, uh, both uh, have the resources and mental health as well as physically. Uh, think about how our schools are doing and how well and what they need. Now, one thing I will say about Brian, okay, he's the deputy superintendent for Los Luna Schools, and he's a Republican. This is the man who replaced Representative Alonzo Baldonado. What do we know about Los Luna Schools, Dowd? Uh, they've had issues. <laughs> they've been closed. <laughs> They've been shutting issues, down yeah. intermittently, uh, and they're taking yeah. a lot of directives uh, from the governess herself. So, uh, Brian, I, I, I'm sure you're a, a great guy. In fact, I know that you are. 
but I would say step it up a little bit more, fight a little bit harder, and uh, don't let them shut down Los Lunas or any of the school districts that down in your uh, area. And congratulations on the new appointment uh, there, uh, however that came about. Uh, that certainly is uh, some uh, good news. So appreciate everybody uh, tuning in here on this uh, afternoon's edition of The Rock of Talk right here in the Kiva. Dow, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow bright and early, 4 p.m. right here in the Kiva. As always, AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Well, how about one more, Dowd, uh, from Neil Diamond? I, I'm not sure. What's your favorite Neil Diamond song? Is it is it Sweet Caroline? Uh, my favorite is the overly, over-the-top, overly dramatic, I am, I said. Oh, yeah, that is, no, that's kind of a declaration. I could see that. Yeah, that's a big one. With, uh, with Neil walking on the beach, no less. Uh, yes, yes. Did, uh, yeah, the jazz singer. I felt like he did one other movie. Didn't he do one other movie, uh, Dowd, I want to say? Uh, he, he did the song for E.T. Remember, he did the E.T. song. Oh, turn out your oh, heart yeah, light. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of cheesy. Yeah. yeah, very cheesy. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, bright and early, 4 p.m. It is fun. It is fine, the sun shines most of the time. And the feeling is laid back. Palm trees grow and rents are low, but you know, keep thinking about making my way back. Well, I'm New York City, born and raised. But nowadays I'm lost between two shores. It's fine, but it ain't home. New York's home, but it ain't mine no more. I am myself to no one there, and no one heard at all, not even the chair. I cry.